Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a signed and framed Declan Rice shirt, which is an absolutely brilliant prize. Tickets are just £4.95 each and only 99 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Thursday, the 26th of August. So it's a quick 48-hour one, so don't mess around. Uh, Get on over there. Uh, The draw will be made an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Benrahma and Vladimir Sufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Well, 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 we are top of the league, so we are top of the league. We are top of the league, so we are top of the league. West Ham United thrashed Leicester City 4-1 at London Stadium on Monday night. It was a brilliant start to the season, of course, at Newcastle. Four goals up there, a little bit shaky at the back. I think everyone saw that the Leicester game was going to be our main challenge and what do you know four goals again eight goals the most goals scored out of any team in the Premier League the best goal difference puts us top of the Premier League table after two matches Uh, and it was a brilliant way to kick off the week and uh, a brilliant way to kick off this podcast. I'm delighted to say that this week we are welcoming the third member of uh, the We Are West Ham podcast. As you all know, we parted ways with uh, Tom Edwards over the summer. Um, we had a bit of a strange start to the season. We had Tony Cotty as our third member uh, last season. Everything happened a bit quickly, but I'm delighted to say for the first time properly joining us tonight is uh, my long-term friend, long-term friend of the show, Reese Bayliss. Most of you might know him as Quizmaster Reese, certainly the long-term listeners, who's the genius 
uh, and the hard worker behind the rogue mystery players quiz reese delighted to have you with us and uh what a start to your we are west ham career uh when we're top of the table fantastic mate thanks for having me absolutely great result wasn't it uh, absolutely stunning stuff uh james you're back with us tonight as well which is is great news um i i, I couldn't really believe it last night to be honest could you so i'm still in a st- state of shock just didn't didn't see that result coming i know we were saying last week we were saying oh it's going to be tight fancies to you know we, we can get a win but did not see a 4-1 thumping um in the manner that it was as well just didn't see it happening so um yeah it's gonna it takes some time to get over that one, I think, of buzzing. Exactly, mate. Well, look, Reese. Um, obviously, for those of uh, those of our listeners at home who uh, are either new to the podcast or don't know too much about you, we obviously done the nostalgia series before yeah. when we look back on the last season at Upton Park, which was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I'm not particularly looking forward to having someone on the podcast who's known me for as long as you have and can pull me up when I'm talking out my backside like I often do. Um, but just give us, uh, give the listeners a little bit of an insight into your West Ham credentials and uh, what they can expect from you this season. Um, to be honest, mate, I, you know, I'm like any fan, mostly disappointed most of the time. But, you know, we always get that little bit of glimmer of hope like last night, uh, which keeps us coming back for more support with the club for 35 years since I was a kid. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. And you came out, you come out of an Arsenal family, though, don't you? You managed to escape yeah. all of that. Yeah, I, I had the choice when I was uh, three years old, and uh, decided to become a junior hammer. <laughs> so uh, it took me thirty-five, obviously thirty-five years. It took us last season to actually finish above them. So ragging rights, thirty-five <laughs> yeah. years. Well, well worth the wait, mate. Yeah, yeah well yeah. worth. Exactly. Well, look, uh, Reese can be found on Twitter at ReeseWHU83 if any of you want to get all up in his uh, social media already. We're looking forward to having you on uh, this season, mate. We've got some exciting stuff coming up and it looks so far, especially with the European campaign coming up, we've got that draw, um, of course, is on Friday of this week when we'll find out who we're staying playing the Europa League. We've started the Premier League in fantastic form. So it looks like it'll be a good one um, for you to uh, for you to have joined the pod for. Reese, which will be great. Um, James, what, uh, you know, as far as um, uh, the, the podcast goes this season, we had a brilliant one with Tony uh, last week. Um, be good to have a, have a third member to the We Are West Ham uh, show once again, won't it? Yeah, no, welcome, Reese, mate. It's good to have you on board. And, um, yeah, looking forward to to chatting all things West Ham, hopefully in a positive light throughout the whole season. Obviously, last year was, was good fun um, compared to the previous year where it was just doom and gloom, particularly in that studio in uh, in Southwark. So um, it seems to be getting better, better every year. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you can keep that run going, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you with us, Reese. A little bit of uh, housekeeping before we get into the podcast in proper fashion. I must apologise uh, this week because uh, given the nature of, of my shifts, I'm on nights this week. Um, obviously went to the game last night as well, which was my day off. So we've had to record this podcast in a bit of piecemeal fashion. So we've been doing uh, odd little segments when and where we could. And of course, um, including the big, huge interview we did with Tony Cotty. Uh, you come on the podcast 
podcast last week, of course, and then just days afterwards, publicly backed Pi Capital's bid uh, to try and buy West Ham off of David Gold, David Sullivan. Um, so that was huge news. Tony came on again and uh, appreciate him reaching out to us um, and agreed to be the first interview he conducted uh, with the We Are West or the, the We Are West Ham were the first interview he conducted after making that. Uh, making his stance public. So I spoke to him on Sunday. Many of you listening might have already seen it on our YouTube channel because we posted it on Twitter and on our YouTube. But we've got that interview in full on tonight's podcast, including some reaction from me and James for any of you who missed it. So just a quick one, as I always do at the beginning of the show, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham, where we are West Ham pod on Instagram. You search the We Are West Ham podcast if you want a Facebook page and we're the We Are West Ham podcast on YouTube. Just a simple search. You can email us at wearewestampod at gmail.com and all the links to all the ways you can follow us and interact with us and contact the We Are West Ham podcast are included in the description to this podcast below. You can buy us a beer, don't forget, and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestham. Thanks so much to all of you who've done that already. And uh, just to let you know what is coming up on the show tonight, the very next, we've got some Leicester reaction, another phenomenal game, full house at the London Stadium uh, on Monday night. Brilliant atmosphere, brilliant performance by the lads against um, a team who are in the Europa League, of course, with us this season. We'll have the Betway Charity Bets. We were unlucky this week, no winners, but uh, we'll also have mine, James's and Reese's selection for the Crystal Palace game. We'll have Max Matthews on, sports journalist and Crystal Palace fan for the opposition view ahead of Saturday's game at London Stadium against Crystal Palace. Um, and then we'll have some final thoughts from me, Reese, and James as we say goodbye for another week. Exciting show coming up tonight. Stay with us because we've got Leicester reaction next. James, brilliant to have Reese joining us this week for the first time of many this season. And as I've already mentioned, what a way, uh, what a welcome to the podcast for Reese with that excellent win at Leicester. Um, I thought the, the we're going to win the league, all that sort of stuff at the London Stadium was hilarious uh, on Monday night. But yeah, I mean, just first of all, straight into it. Then, boys, James, I'll start with you. Initial reaction from the Leicester game. Because I saw you on Twitter and it looked like you were sobbing with every tweet that you wrote. Oh, you know me, mate. I'm a I'm an emotional football fan, and um, I was very close to tears on a couple of occasions, just just with tears of joy and happiness. Because, as I said before in the intro, just did not see it coming. Just took me complete caught me completely off guard. And I know we're capable of performances like that, but um, I just yeah, I just didn't see it coming. And I think also the the whole occasion, first game back. I worked it out. It was the last, first time I've been back there watching a the game for 542 days and it was 60,000 fans in there. Um, on the back of the season we had last year, everyone wanted to go there and give the, you know, give the players a good, a good reception, which they fully deserved. And, and then they, they repaid us with you know, probably one of the best performances I can remember from a West Ham team for, for many, many years. It was just superb throughout. And there aren't many games where you can look at it and go, it was really, really good, but there was a few little flaws in the performance that we need to wind out. 
Allah last week with the defensive problems that led to Newcastle's two goals. You know, it was a good performance, good win, but a couple of little things we need to work out. There was nothing in that game, I don't think, where I thought, yeah, we kind of got to work on that in the coming weeks to make sure we we don't repeat those mistakes. It was for me, it was a it was a flawless performance. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't think it was anything you couldn't pick up on any, could you? Exactly what you said there, mate. Echo those sentiments. I think to a man, every you know, the quietest player was probably Thomas Suchek, and even he put in an eight out of ten performance. Yeah. So yeah, I was delighted to see that. Reese, your um, your uh, sort of initial reaction, great win, obviously, but um, is there sort of anything you noticed? I mean, me and James were in the stadium last night. I think you watched this one from home. Um, yeah, was, but any. Uh, any any sort of difference you noticed or anything? What was your immediate takeaway from no, it? I was uh, obviously armchair support last night, but I think just mirroring what James said, the you could tell from the start of the game that the team were up for it. The fans were massively up for it. Um, the first sort of five, ten minutes, I think we tried to see what, what even though we probably knew the formation they were playing, we would, the, certain players like um, Madison and that Barnes were getting in certain pockets on the left-hand side, but once we started doing the, what we've been doing in the last, of course, it's got to be a good 20, 25 games now, where we're breaking. It's just mm. unbelievable. I haven't seen anything like that, that front four, um, yeah. for, for ages. Do you know what I mean? It, it's as if, as soon as we can sort of nullify the attack and we break, you know, I mean, obviously Antonio's in unbelievable form, but mm. the boys look so strong. They look, they look slight players, but when they're getting on the ball, they're not being shoved off the ball. The awareness of where the players are and things like that. Once we got into our stride, I didn't. You're right. What you were saying, I was I was nervous before the game because of a because of their pace um, mm. and obviously our defensive issues in the first half last week. But it was just an absolute flawless performance. Do you know what I mean? And it's one of them games where the crowd could enjoy it. Even at yeah. in the ground, every, every probably I'm sure the boys that were in the ground sitting at home, I was like, "Don't be like this." But <laughs> it, it just it didn't. Nothing seemed to go wrong for me. So it it, it did go quiet in the ground, didn't it? It went two yeah, one, yeah. and it just sort of subdued a bit. There was a few people trying to sort of g him up, and I was trying to get involved in that, but everyone was just like taking a collective, holding their breath just for a minute. Um, and then obviously when the, the third goes in, it settled everyone down and it was party time. But I thought yeah, I thought you were right, Reese. You sort of eased our way into the game. To be quite honest, I thought both teams were sort of cancelling each other out really until until Fornell scored. I think it could have gone either way and it was a moment of absolute quality. His shimmy in the middle of the park, he dropped a shoulder and turned and sold about four Leicester players yeah. at once, um, which started off the move. Obviously, he plays the one-two. Lovely return pass back and a, and a phenomenal finish. Um, I just want to, on Pablo Fornells, I know we'll get on to Mikel uh, Antonio and uh, Saeed Benrahma, of course, who were the, the, the sort of headline grabbers. But I thought Pablo Fornells last night was absolutely phenomenal. I, I thought he was, it's the best performance by a mile I've seen him put in. And if he was doing that in a, in a Liverpool shirt, or a Man City shirt, he would have had people, pundits up and down the land, you know, singing from the rafters about how good he was. I thought he was worked hard, as he always does, but his, his quality on the ball was phenomenal. He was linking things up nicely. Every pass he seemed to make was a dangerous one, incisive, accurate. I thought he was 
absolutely top draw. Uh, James, I tell you, let's start a positive before we move on. I want to get your two opinion on the Perez red card, of course. But um, if you had to pick a man of the match, I think the the Sky Pundits, because I've obviously watched the game back today, the extended highlights, uh, the Sky Pundits were split between Ben Rama and Antonio. Um, James, we'll go to you first. Who who, who would you pick for that? Um, it's, a, it's a toss-up between Fonals and Antonio. I think you, you're absolutely right about Fonals. Definitely his best game in the West Ham shirt. And he's had quite a few of those of, of late as well. Um but I just can't. I don't think you can take much away from Antonio's all-round performance. And then, I mean, those two goals he scored. I mean, arguably, he scored fifty-one goals in all competitions for us now. Two, probably two of his best from a technical point of view, especially that second one. The second um, one was. Yeah. But it's just, just. I mean, a mate of mine in the group, Tottenham fan in my WhatsApp group this morning, said it's a sort of goal that a world-class striker scores. And I was like, well, that's why he scored it, because he's world-class, isn't he? <laughs> um, and it, it, it was just, it was class. And um, I think when you consider the fact that he made history with that first goal, all-time leading scorer in the, in the Premier League for West Ham, I think you've got to give it to him. And for the celebration yeah. as well. Yeah, the celebration was weird. They should have Strange, got a double right? a yeah. double-sided cutout, because all it looked like in the stand, he was just holding up this white, cardboard cutout to everyone and no one could see that it was him on the other side uh reese just quickly before i get your man of the match um there's a few question marks i think david moyes come out after the game and has said that he he gave antonio a bit of a volley at half time saying he'd made some poor decisions on the ball in the first half um and you know james hasn't even mentioned ben rama there uh you know, what, what did you make of, uh, of Antonio in, in the first half? Did you see any of that sort of watching it on TV that um, that he might not have been as good as, as he was in the second? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think obviously, I don't know whether you see it, but after the game when he got interviewed, he did mention that he was he felt he was trying too hard to get a goal in the first half. Right. And you know the one where I think he, he had that shot where he'd done a bit of strong work and then broke and sort of like banana sh- shot it wide. Yeah, <laughs> he, when the camera panned on him, he looked like he had the right arm. Yeah, you know, swearing himself and things like that. So maybe he just needed that bit of, you know, to sort of chill out. I mean, fair play with the celebration, like to have all that set up, thinking that you're going to potentially <laughs> score in a game that you're either winning or you'll win, score the winning goal. But yeah, you know, it was first half. Obviously, when we scored, it it might have settled him down a little bit. But you have seen that before where players are, you know, over the years we've seen it where strikers we've had have struggled to score goals and they end up getting so desperate that, you know, they're out of the game. So he, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. Yeah. And you're, who's your, who'd you give your man of the match? Because I'm going to go with Fornells, which seems mega harsh on Ben Rama because he's got a goal and an assist. Um, I thought Declan Rice was good. So I'm going to go Fornells just because I was spaffing about him on Twitter earlier on so I need to back that up I'm annoyed it didn't go viral so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on it on here but who's your man of the match Reese? Uh you got to go Antonio I think you've got to go Antonio because you know even his awareness for Ben Rama's goal mm. you know, yeah that's not, true he just you know I have been a bit of a I've given him a volley now and again about him playing up front for us but I think he showed everyone last night that you know, he's the man to lead the line, providing he can stay fit. He looks yeah. sharp, looks hungry, and he, he does always get on the score sheet. So all of them, all of them do, mate, don't they? Not get on the score sheet. All of them look so fit, and they look mm. razor sharp. Like 
all of them. It looks like whatever we've done in pre-season has been timed to perfection. I thought the same on the opening day at Newcastle. They ended up looking, I think a few commentators afterwards, um, Newcastle fans said they ended up looking leggy. But I don't know if it was that or they just looked leggy next to us because we look so, we look in absolutely our standard shapes. So a fair play to the coaching staff for that. Right, lads. Um, the red card, because it did, let's be, let's, you know, or to quote, uh, to use a James Jones phrase, let's have it right. Uh, the red card drastically changed the game. We don't always see it when players get sent off. Often it makes for a boring game. Um, obviously that happens at 1-0 and I was a bit worried that uh, Leicester are just going to sit in. Hopefully we're just going to, they're going to try and nick an equaliser and be happy with it. Uh, but it completely opened the game up. But Brendan Rodgers coming out defending Perez, all the Leicester players, even after seeing it on the big screen, still moaning and saying it shouldn't have been a red card. It was horrific. It was an absolutely horrific challenge. Uh, James, I'll get your first and then I'll rant about it in a bit. It, just, it was weird because when, when it first happened, we were all, we were all saying, oh, fun house, get up, mate, because it happened on the other side of the Yeah, pitch. ditto, yeah, ditto. Oh, well, get up, like, he only bars you off the ball. Like, you can't be that, you can't be that bad. Um, and then when they showed that after he's shown in the red card and we were all still a little bit like, why has he been sent off? And they showed it on the big screen. Because yeah. of the view that we had, it looked like he'd, it was an elbow. Right. So I was looking on the video for the elbow. I completely missed the, the ankle. <laughs> so at half time, having a beer, I had to then get it up on my phone and watch it on a, a clip on Twitter to actually understand what on earth had gone on. Because even at half time, yeah. I was like, it's been sent off, I've been shoved off the ball or, or shoving someone off the ball. I don't understand it. But then you do see it. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a clear red card and Michael Oliver didn't need too long to have a look at it did he so, no. he looked at um, it once didn't he from that yeah, angle yeah right, it's, it, it was a red card and regardless of whether he meant it or not like he's hey, he did his, he stamped on his ankle um yeah. I've, I've seen a few people go oh you know he didn't mean it he was he was off balance and he just had something to plant his foot it was yeah, like yeah, yeah but you still had a, a yard either side of four ounces his ankle yeah. to put your foot down and he so, didn't mate he, I mean, he wasn't it's, yeah it's a red card it's a red card clear as day um, and you know, I know you just said it there that you, you drastically changed the game. I still think we would have gone on and won it because we were. On, I mean, I know we were one nil up at the time, but we were we were playing well. We were on top, and I, I still back us to to have probably gone on the one by the same score. And I don't think it changed the game as much as a lot of people are saying it is because I think I think we were we were playing so well at the moment in that moment, and um, you know Leicester didn't really have many answers to the, to the way that we were playing to the way we were mm. on top of them. So, so yeah, I mean, it changed the game, but I don't think it changed it as much as a lot of people are claiming it to be. Well, I don't know about that, mate. I don't know if we'd have gone on beating a full one. Reese, um, similar sort of take on, on the red, I assume? Yeah, again, I didn't, first of all, didn't really know what had happened. No. Um, the one thing that did surprise me is I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, obviously, I'm watching it back in the slow motion part when they're showing it, but, I'm surprised he didn't go on the floor, Perez, when he got Cresswell was sort of went in the backside. Yeah. Um, so he obviously then that made him take a bad touch, and he's obviously stumbling. But like they said last night, he does look up. So you know, for me, he's fully aware that he's there. Yeah, he probably didn't mean it, but you know, it, that that's what VAR's there for. Mm. Because regardless of sending him off, if he had got a really bad injury. You know, he, he should have been punished for it anyway. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I don't. And he could have, couldn't he? That injury yeah. could have been bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised with them that, they, that they're not a lot worse, if you know what I mean. But mm. yeah, part of me is surprised that they didn't get a free kick if he'd gone down. Um, but he weren't really in the game, that Perez, anyway. So again, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, at that point, we, I felt we were so on top that, you know, it could, but obviously they could have grown into the game the longer it went on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was even more black and white than that, to be honest. I think when you look at it again, I thought the best thing as well, by the way, was everyone in the stadium, apart from Jonesy, apparently, when they showed it on the screen, everyone in the ground went, ooh, like straight, <laughs> straight after that, it. Which... That was, that's what made me even more confused because I was like, what is, what is everyone seeing? <laughs> like 60,000 60, fans have seen something and I haven't seen it. What on earth's going on? <laughs> James just thinking everyone's well overreacting to a shoulder yeah. barge. But... The thing is, I think as well, the, the Leicester players, especially Schmeichel, I know he's he's the skipper. For them, yeah, yeah. Quite, I understand at the time, but if he'd had a couple of minutes and seen it, he'd know that that's a red card. Well, they did. They all watched it on the big it's screen, quite, didn't they? I'm surprised at how much they were trying to get it overturned as such, even before he'd given him the red card. But yeah, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous the way they were acting. Yeah. It was right. Just quickly, can you two, either you two clear this up? Everyone was booing Schmeichel before any of that, right? I mean, later on in the game, it was funny and everyone was giving him loads of grief. Can I just clear up? Is it something to do with the Euros? Or... Yeah. He, he had a pop at England, didn't he, about... Um, it's oh, yeah. Has it ever come home? Has it ever come home? He was maybe giving us a bit of stick for it, wasn't he? Yeah. Is that? that I, I wondered if that was it. That was all I could think. But I was like, Jesus! Like, as soon as he like when the players came out and he ran down to the Bobby Moore end before the first half, everyone's just like boo as he approached. And yeah, I did that. Uh, I wasn't any sure about it. any opportunity to get mate. You know that you know yeah. they'll anyone. You know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose I just did think that was a bit odd, but it was funny afterwards, especially when Yuri Tielemans giving it to the fans as well when he scored a goal completely against a runner player and we went on the win 4-1 was absolutely bizarre as well. But lads, look, we've got to mention him. Uh, Saeed Benrahma, fantastic start to the season. Absolutely brilliant to, to see him sort of blossoming into the player. I think West Ham thought they were signing last season. Totally understandable that he took a bit of time to get in. We've covered already on this podcast. Whether or not he did have more game time last season, I think I'm happy to leave that in the past now and just talk about now and the future with Saeed. Um, Reese, we'll go to you first. He, he looked absolutely phenomenal again last night, didn't he? And, and he's coming up with a good the end product is there, which is the most important thing. Yeah, again, I, th- I think it's enough on him when you sign a player um, that doesn't have a full season and he's in and out of the side. It is quite harsh to judge him on the games he's played. Um, you know, obviously last season when Lingard was in and he wasn't getting a look in, you are putting him under pressure a bit when he's coming on. There were certain games last year before he come on or he played that he was really good. But again, he just looks a different player. And that's only been two games, but he looks like he's bulked up a little bit. He looks nice and quick. He's got that, you know, the, the passing link-up play with the, the other players already seems to be there. Um, he's a very good player, technically. So, you know, you don't become a bad player overnight. They would have seen something kidding they liked. And it's brilliant to see. And long may it continue with him. Because, yeah. you know, he looks like he enjoys his football. 
Um, a couple of times, he was pulling out of tackles, um, which he'd probably say that that's not part of his game. But, you know, all in all, fantastic performance as well. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Again, I think he just looks like James, doesn't he? I think the, the freedom and the knowledge that he's probably going to start every game, like while Lingard isn't back, uh, that seems to have given him a huge boost. A bit like when I used to play with Reese, and Reese was my manager. Um, when I knew I was starting every week, I was phenomenal. But uh, it's when he kept chopping and changing me that my form always used to dip. Um, but he, he does, doesn't he? He just looks, he looks wonderful, and he looks full of confidence. Just and absolutely, like Reese said, there, just delighted to be playing and playing well for West Ham. Yeah, we said it last year. I didn't made it. Very early on, it was very clear that he is a confidence player. You, know, you only see the very, very best of him when he's at the height of confidence. And um, I mean, you know, it took him ages to get his first goal. He got that against Brighton last year. And ever since he got that, he's got better and better and better. He had a, he had a brilliant pre-season, scored a few goals. Um, and he's taken that into this year. And I think Tony Cotty said it last week as well, that you know, it's just probably taken a bit of time just to settle at the club. I know he's only gone from one side of London to the other, but um, just taking a bit of time to set in the club, get to know the lads a little bit more, get to know the tactics. New league, learn, never played in the Premier League. Learn a little bit more about how David Morris wants him to play in certain positions. Um, and now he knows, as you said, now he knows he's going to be starting every week. Then, you know, he can just let his football do the talking. And, and he's he's been absolutely superb. He's the player, he's big, He's showing that he's the player that we that we all knew he could be, hmm. um, and that's why a lot of fans are getting frustrated last year because they were like, "We've got a great power on our hands here." It's just impatience, I think. He's that not, was he's not getting the minutes, um, but I think fans knew, and now they're beginning to see. Okay, well, that's why we're a little bit frustrated last year because this is the player that we've got. Um, hmm. But obviously, it was just taking a bit of time for him to get up to speed a little bit. But now we're seeing him at full speed, and it's wonderful. Yeah, he's absolutely brilliant, mate. He's doing. I think so, mate. I think it helps having Bowen and Four Nails with him. Yeah, that free yeah. because they'll they'll do a lot of dog work for him. So yeah. you know, if he's a bit high on the pitch or things like that, you know, them two will really really graft around him. He does as well, but you know, that side of things will help him um, to yeah. know that maybe he can try something a little bit different because he's got a bit of backup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you know it's just brilliant. So he's doing wonders for my fantasy team as well, which is. Uh, absolutely lovely. Um, but it's one thing I do want to touch on, lads, is this, and I don't want to, I don't want to say anything negative about last night, really, because I thought it was all perfect. This one little thing's been niggling at me since. All this chat that's come about, I know David Moyes said it was like Upton Park, right, which is sort of fine. Like, I, I don't mind that. That was a reasonable statement. The atmosphere was phenomenal. But it's all this, like, commentary and chat from people, again, the majority of whom have probably never been to the London Stadium or have maybe been once or twice, going, yeah, it's the first time it, the stadium proper felt like home. It was the first time there was a proper atmosphere at London Stadium. It's the first time it's ever felt like Upton Park. That's just garbage. It's just cheap, lazy punditry, that. Because it's not yeah. true at all. There's, there was a fantastic game. The first time I thought it was rocking was Chelsea. I think we beat him in the League Cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We played Tottenham when Lanzini scored and we beat them. Well, this was all sort of early on. We've had some games at that ground where they've been phenomenal atmospheres. 60,000 West Ham fans proper back in the team. There's been loads of that before. Anyone saying it's the first time it's felt like Upton Park and, or it's the first time it's felt like home? 
It's just lazy, in my I think, opinion. I think Monday night was probably the best night that London Stadium's had. But no it's not, chance. It's not the first time it's ever been like that. But I think I think it was the best atmosphere London Stadium has experienced. And I think partly sorry, beating Tottenham is better than that. Beating Leicester four one at home just doesn't. No, I th- I think the extra bite of fans being there for the first time for twenty months. Um, I think that gave it that extra bit of bite, extra bit of passion amongst the fans. I'd like, I, I was standing there going, I, I don't recall another day where it's been this almost, it was almost intense because it was just like, just everyone was just in such a great mood. Obviously mm. the Tottenham, the Tottenham wins and, you know, we've beaten them a couple of times and the Chelsea one that you mentioned were incredible atmospheres as well. But I think the Leicester one pips them all. But to say that it's the, the only time or the first time it's been like that is is way off the mark because like it's been like, you can ca- you couldn't you couldn't even count on two hands how many times we've had good, good days there. Yeah, I think, mate. I'll be honest. I think even even yeah, I think it's just fans wanted to say that it felt so much better because it hadn't been for ages. But <laughs> there's no way you could tell me that that was any better or that much different to like the Tottenham win. I remember le- when that Lanzini goal went in, there was like so much bated breath and energy and uh, yeah I, I don't know I just think like you included in this by the way um, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, think yeah. everyone was just desperate to be able to say oh, that's, like there's no like, reason it was uh, any think, better than beating Tottenham at home I think I think it's like you, you, you're thinking about the team that we're beating rather than just the general occasion no 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 I'm not I'm just saying I, <laughs> I, I genuinely I genuinely felt as though that was the best atmosphere that that stadium has experienced since we moved in hmm like that's, mate, that's just, just wrong. The, that's all, mate. Yeah, that's the way I felt. I mean, you just you just don't have, you just don't have enough enough as as much passion as me, mate. <laughs> Obviously not, mate. Obviously not. Reese, what it sound like under telly? Could the atmosphere yeah, was it true. coming uh, through? I mean, it, it, it reminded me of one of them games where um, a bit like the times when we've been relegated and we've come up and the opposition have scored first. It, it was as if like the crowd were giving the, the players every chance last night. You know what I mean? You've been to games where we go a goal down and that's the end of it. People are getting up, going down to the toilet, going to get a beer or whatever. But it felt like, a, it, it almost felt like a cup tie last night on the mm. telly. Um, you know, atmosphere, I'm probably with you on the Tottenham one. Obviously, I didn't go last night, but um, there's been quite a few over there. I, I, the problem is you, we will always have this link with Upton Park, especially with the night games. Um, mm. about the, you know, the atmosphere and things like that. And, you know, we've all admitted before that even in the last few years of Upton Park, the atmosphere wasn't always that intense. Exactly, yeah. It was dead you know for I mean? so it, it's, I think Jones is right on the basis that people haven't been there for so long. You're going to be seeing people you haven't seen for ages and I think it all just come together. A lot of um, people just releasing that. Yeah, I mean, if we'd been a cut yeah. in the first 10 minutes, it'd probably have been riots or something like that. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was just one of them, it just worked well in all senses. So, yeah, you know, totally. perfect. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. It was a it was a brilliant game. Is there anything else there, Jonesy? I think I've missed. We've covered Mikel Antonio. Uh, the, there was a couple of funny. I feel like he probably could have scored about four or five, but he'd done well. Um, yeah, I thought the defence played really well. Not that I had anything to do at all really my heart was in my mouth when Fabianski went down at the end but um yeah I think all in all just just good to be back is there anything I've missed though James um I don't think so you, I just... you, you've 
just, all, just a lovely, around. lovely occasion. And did you cry when you were tweeting earlier today? Yes or no? Did I cry? No, I didn't. Cry when you were no. tweeting, no, not they were very tweeting. emotional tweets. I mean, they? yeah, I remember. I, I remember sitting on the train while I was tweeting, and just sort of looking about, and all the other West Ham fans about, and I thought, just don't cry now because you look like a right idiot <laughs> on the on the train. But um, I was very close to it. But yeah, it was just it was just a great night all round. Just everything about it, the relief, like the the relief of being back, the seeing people that we hadn't seen for a while, and then putting a performance and a result in this that we just didn't see coming. So, um, yeah, perfect night. We've just got to follow it up now on Saturday. And that's the one I'm looking forward to. First three o'clock game. Um, get the old uh, get the old match day ritual back in action. That's the one I'm really looking forward to. Absolutely, mate. Well, uh, that's brilliant stuff, lads. And uh, stay with us because next up, as I mentioned already, just to recap, uh, Tony Cotu come on the podcast last week. Uh, we recorded it Tuesday night. Then on Thursday, he had a meeting with uh, Pyre Capital, who are the group attempting to buy West Ham off of David Gold and David Sullivan. At the moment, uh, Tony then publicly backed the bid um, and said that he... Uh, was a supporter of the Pie Capital bid and he then got in touch with us and asked to do another chat uh, on Sunday. Uh, gave us the opportunity to do another interview with him on Sunday. We were the first interview that he gave after he made that public, so we really appreciate that from Tony. That interview uh, will be played in full next. It's about 15 minutes long, so if you have heard it already over the weekend on our YouTube already, just skip forward 15 minutes or so and then you'll get to um, me and James reacting to it and perhaps giving a bit of balance to it, um, you know, some of the opinion from the club. Uh, but if not, that full-length interview that we recorded with Tony Cotty on Sunday after he publicly backed Pie Capital is next. So I'm delighted to say that joining us again for the second time in a week is uh, West Ham legend Don't give me Tony Cotty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, um, Tony, it's br- brilliant to have you back. Obviously, uh, fans listening will will know uh, why it is that we're we're having another chat so soon after yeah. you uh, gave us all your time on the podcast. Uh, so just to, to to clarify, first of all, obviously, thanks very much for getting in touch earlier and uh, about having another chat. Uh, just to clarify, uh, first of all, because obviously there, there's limitations on what you, you can and can't say, no doubt. What what can you tell us, first of all? Because you we recorded the podcast on Tuesday night. So uh, what can you tell us? You've released a statement or via Pi Capital since then. You've backed the, this takeover bid. So what can you tell us at this stage? Well, I can update you where, obviously, I am with the situation, Will. Um, you know, when I spoke to you guys on Tuesday, um, all I'd had was an, an initial contact from Pi. I hadn't met the guys at all, hadn't spoken to anyone, you know, met face-to-face or anything. Um, so, obviously, I was limited with what I could say, as you know, with, you know, you asked me a few questions the other night anyway. Um, I met the guys on Thursday. Um, I spent the whole day with them, pretty much. And I really, really liked what I heard and what I saw. You know, this is a group of extremely talented people um, looking to buy a football club and make the football club better. And, uh, you know, I've been, um, they've asked me to come on board. You know, they made the contact with me and they've asked me to come on board. They feel that through circumstances, there's been perhaps uh, some negative media uh, publicity, um, you know, and in terms of the PR as well, I, you know, I don't think they was quite prepared for what was going to come 
once it became um, public knowledge that Pi were interested, obviously, in buying West Ham. So if I can help in any way, hopefully I will do. Um, as you know, my background last 20 years with media, so um, you know, I'm trying to sort of help out with it from that point of view. But first and foremost, Will, I'm coming from a fan's point of view. You know I'm a fan, and I, I, I sat there on Thursday thinking, I want to ask the questions that the fans want to ask, and that was really important to me. So um, I wouldn't have backed it without the knowledge that I think it's the right thing for the football club. If I, you know, I'm not stupid. If I go somewhere and I meet people and you think, oh, don't fancy them, not the right thing, you're not saying the right things, I would have walked away and mm. I wouldn't have said anything and I'd have carried on with my life, you know. But I think it's an exciting opportunity for me and I think, um, you know, that's the main thing and I'm, I'm hopefully going to be a part of it going forward. Okay, so uh, just to clarify then, you so you had contact before Choose, because we've obviously had a few or quite a lot of messages since um, just asking us to clarify the, the timeline. Uh, we obviously knew uh, at the stage as, as much as, as much as yeah, you said on the podcast that went out Wednesday morning. Uh, so the time, so you'd had contact before Tuesday, but no meetings well, until Thursday. Yeah. not actually relevant or indeed anyone's business. Um, the first phone call was on last Friday, not Friday gone, the oh, one okay. before. That was all it was. I had a phone call, spoke to one of the guys from Pi Capital, had a really, really good chat, got on really, really well with him. And he said, look, we'd like to you to come up to the office and see us, which is what I did on Thursday. So that's exactly where we are with things from that point of view. OK, so you, you mentioned it there, Tony. Um, it's it's fair. To, we covered it uh, the other night on the podcast. I know it's mainly around the, the talk sport interview that Philip Beard gave. You covered it and fans listen to this, a lot of them, and the feedback that we have, have seen and received directly as well say exactly what you said, that the PR hasn't been good so far. The the general feeling, and I am generalising, but the general feeling from, from what we've seen is that fans aren't as keen as, as perhaps you might have expected. What, what, what do you put that down to? Um, well, perhaps they don't know enough about the guys. Um, you know, obviously, Philip um, done his interview with, with Jim White and Simon Jordan. Um, you know, we spoke about it, didn't we? And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rude to me, and I listened to it afterwards. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, yeah, but li listen, I, I, I would like to stick up for the guys a little bit here with um, the guys from Pi Capital, that is, you know, because it wasn't their intention um, to go public with this bid. Um, that happened because of a statement that David Sullivan made talking about what was going on. And, you know, I don't think that the guys at, at Pi Capital, I mean, obviously football, they, they've all been involved in, in business, various businesses, and they've done very well in, in, in other businesses. But football is a different beast, as we know. And once you get into, you know, the PR and the media side of things, a lot of things happen. So, um, you know, Philip done his interview. Um, the problem I think he had was he was un he's under an NDA. He, there's only mm. so much he can say, you know. So, you, in, in other words, it, for those who don't know, an NDA means you're not meant to say too much about an, a, bid, a bid for a football club. There's certain things you can say, but you can't say everything you want to say. So, you know, Simon was obviously pushing you know, transparency and that. You can't be transparent about a bid when you can't talk about the bid. And I think it made it very difficult. <clears throat> you know, should Philip have done the interview? I mean, that was his personal choice. You know, I'm not going to criticise Philip. And I think everyone mm. at Pi, no one said anything about it, you know. But, you know, I've been brought in to hopefully improve things and, and, get a link between the fans that's you know my my idea my job if you like is to try and brief the fans bring them up to speed with what's going on and try and reassure them will that this is a proper bid run by proper people it's not you know it's not a, well just we, we thought about it last week this has been prepared over the last two years 
I've only obviously been involved in the last week or so, but this is a bid that's been very, very carefully thought out. Yeah. So with um, you, you sort of touched on it there briefly. What can what's your role at the moment and then going forward? Well, my role at the moment, first of all, I want to clarify, clarify one thing, Will. I have not been paid for this. No one has given me any money. I've not been paid by Pi, um, and there is no intention for Pi to, to pay me. There, there's no reason to. You know, it's my personal decision. I'm lucky that I'm at a place in my, my life where um, I can make a decision. I haven't got any attachment to Sky. We spoke about it the other night, didn't we? You know, so I, I'm, if you like, I'm free and I can do what I want to do. So that's the first thing I, I want to say. Um, in, in terms of going forward, um, when I spoke to the guys on Thursday, I said to them straight away, I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming here to get involved in exactly what I'm doing now with you guys um, and not have a role in the club going forward. You know, I think it's yeah. always important that if you buy a football club, you should have football people involved. You know, it's vitally important. Um, so, you know, just to confirm, I will be a part. I don't know what exact role yet will because it's, it's very early days and, you know, there's, there's no point in talking about stuff when you, have, you don't even own anything. It's, it's stupid. Yeah, sure. But what I can confirm is if Pi Capital buy West Ham United Football Club, there will be a permanent role for me at the club, which is what I've always wanted. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I appreciate you clarifying the the payment thing because obviously it's um the, the you know there's been some you all have seen it no doubt um there have been yeah. some questions surrounding that but I think and uh, and again I, I tr sort of coming at this from a, a balanced perspective here it's obviously brilliant having you on the show and we love that but from a fan's perspective um I'm sort of trying to channel some of the questions that that we've received so that that was a, a big one i know you're not um just clarify as well because for for those listening who may or may not know it's not like this is a risk free um you know it's quite a, a, a brave move on your part would that be fair to say i know you do some bits for the club at the moment with your column and program the the website and all that sort of stuff so you know it, it, again not putting words in your mouth but it, 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 does it feel you, you are risking something would that be fair to say Absolutely, Will, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to the club. Um, I normally liaise with the media department. I haven't spoken to the media department. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, what I can say is I, I can't, can't wait for the game tomorrow night. I will be there in the stands watching it as a fan, and I'll be at the game on, on Saturday, the Crystal Palace game. <clears throat> so uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I haven't had those discussions with the club. Okay, yeah, fair enough. And so when can fans then, Tony? You you said obviously there's non-disclosure agreements in place for all the parties involved, which makes sense when you're talking hundreds of millions of pounds. Uh, when can fans who are listening to this, when can they expect this detail that you're, you're, you've come out, put your neck on the line and said you've backed it publicly because you're confident with what you've seen? When can West Ham fans expect to see that, that sort of information that will or perhaps uh, that you you and the guys at Pi think will get them on board? Well, I think, Philip. first and foremost, Philip Beard said, didn't he, on TalkSport, that there will be a second bid, and that is correct. Yep. Um, and we are hoping for some sort of news this week. I think that's the only thing I can really say. Um, I can't say too on much. On the second bid? On the second bid, yeah. The first bid actually went in in February, and it was turned right. down by the club. You know, David turned that down. Um, but... He did give access to the data room and they did mm. show proof of funds. I think that's another thing that needs to be clarified because, you know, people say, no, they didn't show, you know, didn't show proof. They did show proof of funds. You can't get access to a football club's data room. A data room is somewhere where you, you look at all the information, the accounts, what, what the players earn, etc. There's a lot of things you've got to look at. Um, but you can't get access to that if you don't show proof of funds. So, you know, they was in there for two months. And as a result of that, there's a lot of work and time also gone into developing a business plan so that if and when 
you know, the club is taken over. It's not like, oh, what do we do now? There's already been a lot of planning gone into that going forward. Uh, what what do we do we know again I'm no expert on this Tony this is basically I'm just channeling a Simon Jordan uh, question that he put to Philip the other day what form did that take the proof of funds because that seems to be one of the main bones of contention with some of the um, sort of information if you like that's come out of the club I can't answer that one Will I can't answer that's a that's a question for fire capital that one yeah. Okay. No problem at all. Um, what do you or sort of what? I know we're coming to the end of uh, of the time that we've got. What what can you know? Fans are sitting, looking, and they're, they're into minds at the moment, or they're very doubtful, as as lots of them are. What uh, what can you sort of tell them at this stage? What's your message to to any of those fans who who might be a bit bit doubtful as to whether Pyre Capital will be good for West Ham United? Well, my message to the fans is exactly what I said to Pi Capital on Thursday, that I want certain things to come out of this. I think first and foremost, I think we all want money for new players. We, we spoke about it, Will, didn't we, earlier in the week. We, West Ham need money for new players. And, uh, you know, you'd like to think that Jesse Lingard, as an example, would have been a West Ham player by now if things had been in place. Obviously, they're not at the moment. So, you know, we can only deal with if we if you get it in the club in September, October and the window's closed, you've got to deal with it. So investment for new players is, is certainly something I want as a fan. You know, we need a centre forward. We all know that. So, you know, that's the first thing. I think the infrastructure, there needs to be investment in the infrastructure, which is like the training ground, which is the academy, which is the scouting group. You know, the, all that needs to be um, revamped, if you like, and updated. That's a big part of it. You know, myself and Anton Emrio as well, I might add, all came through the academy. We all know what it means to the football club. We all know what it means to the fans to watch the players playing. So that needs to be looked at and that will be part of our plan. The stadium is always a bone of contention, as we know, since the move from the bowling, you know, and there's certainly really, really good plans in place to improve the experience for the fans. You know, there will be more details given on that, Will, as and when, but the whole experience of being a fan and what you get on a match day and in terms of where your seat might be, you know, all that will be looked at. Um, so that's really, really important. And obviously, there's the, the bigger picture, which is the global brand of the club as well. You know, I mean, it infuriates me when you see Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, etc., all developing in their brand around the world. Well, you know, we, we need to start doing that. West Ham United FC is a massive football club, massive football club. And we want to improve the brand as well. So they're the sort of the four key points. And in terms of the branding around the world, that's where Rio will be a key player because he's known all around the world and he'll be a key ambassador for the football club. So well, there's exciting stuff that the fans can look forward to, really. Yeah, yeah. Before I keep you for, for longer than, than we agreed, Tony, on the on the Rio thing, that hasn't gone down well with fans, I'll be honest. Just to put yeah. it to you straight, uh, you'll have known that, you'll have seen it as well, no doubt. Uh, yeah, the main Capital bone of contention... As well. Pi Capital are aware of that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Know, so what, 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 guys, they, they, don't, they know what they're doing in that. And listen, hmm. I've, I've been brought in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a West Ham boy. I'm a West Ham fan. I play for the club. I came through the academy. You know, so I'm trying to reassure the fans, you know, like, listen, Rio, Rio's heart is in the right place. He wants what's best for the football club. Anton wants what's best for the football club. I want what's best for the football club. You want what's best for the football club. This is what it's all about, Will. It's about trying to put in place what is best for West Ham United FC. It's not a personal crusade. It's not about me or Rio or Anton. It's not nothing at all about that. This is about what is best for the West Ham United Football Club. And as I said, as a result of what I've seen, heard and listened to this week, I believe that Pi Capital can deliver on all fronts.
Excellent. So uh, on the just obviously they're a private capital firm. Philip Beard, this last one, Tony. Philip Beard spoken about um, on Talk Sport the other day. You mentioned transfers and training ground, and these are things that fans want to see. I'd imagine speaking yeah. for on behalf of most, and that's that's quite a, pri- a, a priority. Uh, are you confident that the sustainable business model that that Philip Beard mentioned, because he meant, talked a lot about the park and the Olympic legacy, which I think turned some West Ham fans off a little bit? Are you confident that because they're a, a sort of private capital venture, they will be uh, answerable to the people, their investors? Uh, are you confident that the levels of spending and the, the finances and stuff that you've seen can deliver on the training ground and the the transfers? In, uh, certainly as an improvement on on what fans are getting at the moment. Absolutely, Will. And, and go back to what I said at right at the start, you know, I wouldn't have got involved in this if I didn't think that was the case. You know, yes, they can deliver on that. And this, this is not a property play. You know, for it to be called a property play is, is crazy. And, you know, especially with regards to where that's come from, that statement, you know, because we all know that we've left Upton Park that we owned to, to go and rent a stadium at Stratford. So, you know, the, it's a bit, yeah, I won't go too much into that. But, um, it is not a property play. Yes, there will be improvements to the stadium. Yes, there'll be improvements to the surrounding area. But all of that ultimately will benefit the football club, as in there will be revenue coming into the club. If there's more revenue coming into the club, the fans won't be moaning because we will then be signing bigger, better players that cost more money. And that's what it's all about. We've got to maximise the revenue stream. Every other club is doing it. And I know, yeah, yeah. I know fans go on about, you know, it's a football club. It, it's a football club, but it's also a business as well. And from a business point of view, you want as much money coming in and you then want to go out and buy the best players. If we buy the best players, you keep your star player and you also go and win trophies and you play in Europe regular. And that is the ultimate aim to make West Ham keep going on about the top six. That's where you want to try and take the club. It's not going to be easy. But that's what the aim is. No, I think, you know, there was a there was an implicit deal in place, wasn't there, with the move from Upton Park that the uh, in return for leaving our spiritual home, which tens of thousands of us, uh, hundreds of thousands probably loved so, so much yeah, um, me, that me. it was going to be better on the pitch. Me. Yeah, yeah, me and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we've, listen, we've got to move on. We've got to deal with what we've got at the moment. And, you know, whatever whatever I say or do, I can't bring the bowling ground back. I'd love to. But no, no, of course. So, you know, yeah. we've got to move on. And, you know, these guys that I'm, I've met from Pi Capital, I believe are the right people to move our football club on. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Tony, look, I really do appreciate you getting in touch and uh, and coming back on to put across your side of things. As you know, you're always welcome on the We Are West Ham podcast, and we hope to uh, yeah when when you can let us know a bit more. You're always welcome on here, so do let us know and um, and you know we're we're happy to to talk about uh, whatever. And um, just please, you're giving us the opportunity to put some some questions to you and, and haven't shirked anything. Thanks, Will. I'll keep in touch. Thanks, mate. So I'm delighted to say James Jones is back with me. Uh, bless him. He was out of action on Sunday, so couldn't do the uh, the Tony Cotty interview alongside me. But we've both um, both listened to it. James was all over it as soon as he got back from his... Uh, it was a wedding in Leicester, wasn't it, Jonesy? Yeah, it was a wedding in Leicester. I was meant to be babysitting while, while Lucy was there, but I ended up going to the wedding after all. So it wasn't, wasn't a wasted trip after all. What a touch, mate. What a touch. Well, uh, look, James, straight into the... Um, the issue of the day, of course. Uh, so really delighted to get the first interview uh, with Tony Cotty after um, after he publicly backed his uh, or publicly made public his support for Pi Capitals takeover bid 
of West Ham. So absolutely delighted. And thanks very much to Tony for um, for giving us a shout and giving us the first interview. Um, reaction, first of all, James, I think uh, the, there's obviously that was it's a very one sided um uh, a very one-sided approach or outlook we've got on it there important as we always strive to do on the we are west Ham podcast to to give the situation some balance so we'll, we'll go through um some stuff from from west ham's point of view i think actually mate it might be better um to do that first do you think and then we can sort of have a chat about the the situation as a whole because obviously i want to get your reaction mm-hmm. to tony's interview but worth worth noting that the west ham's position in in all of this is that they've received no formal bid to buy West Ham United. So again, both sides, I think, being a bit careful with their wording. I think it's it's safe to say that they're, they're well, no, it's, there, there has been an, an approach. West Ham don't consider it a formal bid. Pie Capital say that it was a formal bid. That's where it stands. Um, West Ham maintain that they haven't seen adequate proof of funds. Uh, Pi Capital insists that they have provided proof of funds. I asked Tony Cotty in what form um, that proof of funds was provided, which is the same question that Simon Jordan asked Philip Beard on TalkSport the other day, and no answer was able to be given uh, under the non-disclosure agreements or the NDAs that they have all signed. So West Ham still maintaining no proof of funds was provided uh, West Ham's position. Obviously, they have a 99-year deal um, on the stadium uh, with the LLDC, of course, the, the rental agreement that we all know about. Um, and Pi Capital are unable to do anything to affect that uh, unless they buy the club, which West Ham still maintain is not for sale. So I, I think from... Uh, we'll go to you first, Jade. Like I say, important to note those things from West Ham's point of view. Um, I think there's enough cynicism uh, or there is a lot of cynicism among the fan base as to Pi Capital. Um, so first of all, before we get into the nitty gritty, mate, I just want to hear your uh, reaction to to the interview I did with Tony on Sunday afternoon. I think it was, it kind of went down the same route as, um, as previous interviews or statements that Pi have come out with, you know, it's quite clear that Tony can't say a great deal. Um, and that's fair enough because of an NDA that's in place. And um, I don't think we're, we're any closer to really finding out what the truth actually is regarding this, this bid. Um, and whether that's down to an NDA or whether, you know, what well, one side isn't being as completely honest as they can be, um, you know, it, either a bid has gone in or it hasn't. Um, and when you've got what is essentially tit for tat between the current owners and you know the, the, the company that want to buy the club, it's very difficult to really to really know who's actually telling the truth. I know fans will make their own minds up on that. Um, I know I know the bulk the bulk of you know the bulk of the support have already made up their minds about you know who they believe is actually currently telling the truth. But but you, day, you you've got to beware on that, James, haven't you? I think it's important in this. I know I know people are really disgruntled with with um, David Gold, David Sullivan, and Karen Brady. I understand all that, but I think it's especially at a time like this, it's so important for everyone, us as well, us included, um, mm. but anyone listening and any fans, whatever side they fall on, to just try and observe the facts as they come and try not to let any prior 
uh, feelings towards either party affect their you know affect their decision and just decide because there is a danger isn't there like like i think it's fair to say james you're not overly convinced by pi capital so far and if it is under an nda fine tony cotty said there that fans can expect more developments this week we're having this chat on monday lunchtime so by the pod time the podcast goes out late tuesday early wednesday things might have changed um do, do, do you agree with that yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think, but that doesn't still take away from the fact that, you know, the, at the moment, there's very few facts for for fans to actually assess, make you know, a decision on. Yeah, you know, we, we can't make a decision on it because you know one side saying one thing and the other side saying the complete opposite. Um, obviously the the, the club are, are a lot quieter on on the situation now. See, David Sullivan come out and said that there wasn't a bid and there was no proof of funds, and PAI are a lot more vocal. Um, a lot more, you know, they're, they're making a lot more noise now. Um, that's partly the reason why I'm very, very skeptical about the whole situation. Okay. Can I butt in there, mate? So, Tony, Tony Cotty said, um, and I think we also heard, we've heard similar things that have come out of Pi Capital, certainly, that Tony Cotty said they had no intention of going public with this bid. Their first bid, um, which has been, or the first approach, uh, you know, West Ham don't think it was a formal bid, Pi do, but the first approach. Uh, which all parties are agreed there was, was made in February. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing made, was made public until probably earlier this month, I think still in August, late July, earliest. I can't remember the exact date, so forgive me. So if it was Pi's intention to go public with this all along, uh, would they not have done that? Surely they would have done it sooner than six months after the original inquiry went in. And Tony, again, this is Tony and... Uh, Tony's what he said during the interview and it's Pi's point of view, not West Ham's, is that the only reason they've gone public is because David Sullivan came out in the first place um, and poo-pooed the bid and in what that in what Pi believe was incorrect and false, put that information out into the public domain and said it was a, like a Mickey Mouse bid and, and they didn't show proof of funds, blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, there's, there's going. I mean, I, I completely respect that, um, and I, I understand that you know it probably wasn't their their intention to go public at all, and it was the reason why they went public was in response to the comments from David Sullivan. Completely get that, um, but then there's there's going public, and then there's going public, um, and they've they've done the latter. You know, <laughs> it's, it's they've gone public. They've literally gone public, and it, it, the way I see it is that you know all they had to do was just release a statement. And go uh, in response to David's, and, and they did do this in response to David Solomon's recent comments. We're disappointed with what he said. We did put, you know, we did show proof of funds. It was a formal bid for the football club. It was rejected. Um, we plan to go back for a second bid in due course or whatever. Leave it at that. Instead, they've, you know, they've recruited the Ferdinand brothers. Um, you know, they got Tony Cotty on board, which is great. You know, I've got, I've got nothing against that at all. But I don't think any of that needed to be public. I don't think the fans needed all of this additional sort of social commentary going on on, on social media. And you know, Tom Skinner, the um, the guy that was on The Apprentice, he's you know he's backed them um, publicly. And it's like you know, how, do do we need to go down this route in such a public manner when this is something that's so sensitive amongst the fan base? Mm. The fans are already, you know, uh, already feel the way they do about the current ownership. 
you know, that you can't get away from that. Um, and what PAI have done, in my opinion, is put themselves in a very, very difficult situation by doing this so publicly. Mm. Um, and that's the way I feel about it. You know, I, I, I've listened to Tony's interview uh, with you and, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he is on board. I'm happy, you know, he, he said to us last week, you know, it's all about West Ham United Football Club. And it is. That's the one thing it is about. Um, and so when they've got someone in like Tony to advise them and to be involved, advise them on what the fans want, what the fans don't want, how the fans are feeling um, from, from, from a fan's point of view himself, then that can only be a good thing for PAR Capital. It can only be a good thing for them. Hmm. But I just don't know why fans need to know so much about what's going on from from this company at the moment. Hmm. I just it, it makes me, and especially when a lot a lot of their a lot of their communication, a lot of their PR has been there's been mistakes, um, there's been just type, that, there's been yeah. typos, and it, it all just feels you know. And it, I might be you know it might be unfair for me to say, but you know the feeling is that it's been very amateur. You know, when you've got typos in statements, when you're you're getting, you know, small things to some people, but quite big things in the eyes of West Ham fans. You know, get getting West Ham saying West Ham FC rather than West Ham United. Um, you know, having a go at um, the fact that the bowling ground never sold out when, when in fact, you know, it often did. Um, well, just just, just, just for my own like memory, that, what was that? For, where was that, James? Just to refresh my memory. Well, it, was, if it, was else... their, it was their recent statement regarding the the Ferdinand brothers. Uh, came out a couple of weeks ago uh, on Friday, I think. Um, you know, and they were just sort of outlining very brief plans in terms of you know what their you know what their intentions were um, because of you know because there's a bid in in play. They couldn't say a great deal about their vision or, or anything like that. But you know, they said that their intentions about the stadium and. Um, you know, and the Olympic legacy and, and stuff like that, which, you know, fair enough. You know, they've come out and given fans a little bit more insight. I don't think it was needed. And as a result of doing that, they've shot, the way I saw it was that they shot themselves in the foot. You know, they called, hmm. it was West Ham FC, uh, the bowling ground, you know, um, never sold out. We need to increase the fan base. At the moment, the current stadium isn't fit. It's, um, you know, doesn't doesn't suit the fan base and stuff like that because of the size of the fan base. That was how I read it. And I just thought, well, hang on, what, like you're not really getting us on side here, you know. Mm. Little mistakes like that. Um, a few people on Twitter said, "Oh, it's only minor, minor little problems in their statement." But the overall, but then is no, but really, then sort them. Then I always yeah, find that exactly, whenever you say it's a minor thing, we'll sort it out. Then if it's yeah, only little, um, I mean, if it's if it's a typo, then you know, employ someone to make sure that there are no typos. Yeah, yeah. At the end yeah, of the day, yeah, yeah. you're trying to buy a football club. A very, yeah. very famous, you know, historic, historic football club yeah. with millions of fans around the world that plays in the biggest league in the world. Um, that's had some of the most famous players to ever war- played the game play for this football club. Yeah. And you put in typos, you're making silly mistakes. There's going to be um, difficult hurdles to jump over. Yeah, so jump no over real... the easy ones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the easiest thing is to write a statement and get the facts And right get someone to proofread sure it. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because of all of that, it's made me think, you know, if you're not getting the detail in something like that correct, how can the fans trust you to get the detail correct when it comes to actually making very difficult decisions regarding the future of the football club? Hmm. And that might sound really harsh when you're comparing running a football club to making a few typos. But in the day, you know, attention to detail is key regardless of what level it's at. And, you know, 
writing a statement should be the easiest thing you do as a, as a business trying to buy a football club. And so far, they've not done it very well, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the way I feel about it. I might be, we all might be, you know, pleasantly surprised if this all happens, it goes through and they do buy the football club. You know, we might be pleasantly surprised as to, as to where it goes. But um, I think they've got a lot of work to do to, to put, to put, you know, to to convince fans that they are the right people to take the club forward. Tony Cotty getting on board is for me. I can only see as a good thing. I was going to say um, that. Has it changed your opinion at all? I not so much. It hasn't changed my opinion on on PAI or Pilot. I haven't. I still feel the way I do about you know the way they've gone about things so far. But I think when you've got someone like Tony talking to them regularly mm. and advising them, um, we know. Um, as much as every other West Ham fan does, that Tony has the club's best interests at, at heart. He is a West Ham fan just like we are. He's, mm. he's just in a very, very privileged position. He's very lucky to have, you know, had the career that he had playing for his boyer club, and, and now he's, you know, in the position that he is. So he is the right man in my eyes to be able to be advising them from the inside and going, look, don't say that, don't say this. West Ham fans are currently feeling like this. You want, might yeah. want to change the way you word that. Um, you know, if you do buy the football club, that's got to be a priority sort of thing um, to keep fans on side, to keep fans happy. So for me, that's a really good move from them. It's a really good move. Um, it felt a bit, I'll be honest, it felt a bit reactionary to me. And I know Tony, it Tony spoke very to us quickly, on... Didn't it? Well, no, <laughs> it no, no. And to be fair, look, there. look, Tony, Tony spoke to us on Tuesday. He'd had a phone call with them yeah. on Friday Um and then the meeting took place on, th- so it was fr- phone call Friday, podcast with us recorded Tuesday night. The podcast went live uh, in the early hours of Wednesday morning. Tony had his meeting with them on Thursday. Uh, again, so there was contact made before the podcast. Uh, the podcast, you know, it, as as it always does, we're lucky that we've got um, a, a considerable amount of, of West Ham fans that download the podcast and listen to us every week. You've done some good traction on social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and yeah, I, again, I don't know. It just seems a bit. That's the sort of thing where you'd hope that I don't know. Maybe it's not as easy, but but you'd hope that. If you were gonna like get into, if Tony had been on board from the off, along even alongside Rio and Anton Ferdinand, the thinking with Rio Ferdinand is obviously that he's the biggest global player. He's the he's the David Beckham to into Miami. Do you know what mm. I mean? He's the um, he's got global appeal because he was such a Man United legend. Basically, he did play for West Ham, but I think that that from what I've read from it is that that's where Rio is. And Rio and Anton have worked with Pi Capital before. That's where the relationship was formed on other ventures non-related to West Ham. So, you know, Rio Ferdinand is a Man United legend, isn't he? Or he played for them and was iconic for them for a very long time, was ultra successful, and therefore he's better known across the world than his brother Anton, anyone from Pi Capital uh, and Tony Cotty, that's that's fair. I'm not upsetting or offending anyone there. That that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, again, I, you would have think maybe it would have been better to have someone like Tony on board from from the beginning. I personally believe that Tony's right with what he says about um, having football. Pe- if you buy a football club, you should have football people involved. I'm definitely one for that. You see, Peter Check um, is a 
Chelsea at the moment in that direct director's role. Not a great example because they're they're playing rubbish at the moment. But Edu at Arsenal, um, it's quite a common thing. Oliver Kahn at Bayern Munich, it, it's a fairly common thing these days, isn't it? Even at the biggest clubs in the world, to have distinguished former players um, involved in in some fashion. And I'm of the argument. I know everyone's saying, "Oh, he's just lost his job at Sky." Blah blah blah. Well. Yeah, frankly, well, I, a, I think that happens just a convenience, isn't yeah, it? And yeah. frankly, um, I'm of the opinion that uh, if West Ham are to have anyone like that, uh, that Tony Cotty is a great person to have in such a role, as is, mm. you know, there's discussions. David Moyes has said recently that Mark Noble's like they're preparing him for how he can be of a benefit to the club. After he retires at the end of this season, he doesn't want to be a coach, basically, as we've heard before. He wants a, like more of a director of football, administrative role sort of thing. Um, and I think that's brilliant. Have someone like Mark and Tony involved at the club is is fantastic. I think uh, it's fair to say. I know there are ex-players who, who are involved at the club with hospitality and things like that. doesn't seem to be. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, mate, but I, I don't feel there's anyone of that strong like football involvement historic involvement in West Ham involved in any of the decision making processes is there no I no. don't think so not that I know of no obviously you got Stuart Pearce on the coaching side played for the club which was is brilliant but and that, that's what I'm saying so I think it's brilliant and uh, and I think everyone coming at Tony and sort of saying oh it's for personal gain blah 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 well it, uh, I don't I don't see it like that the fact that it happens to be he, he's made it clear that he's not getting paid at the moment, and that, but there has been a position offered, uh, a permanent role for him afterwards. In my opinion, there's nothing wrong with Tony having his own personal goals and personal desires to work at at the football no. club he's always loved and played for. Uh, no, so, let's, let's let's have it right. If if you're in Tony Tony Cotty's shoes, you know, love the club, support the club, played for the club, um, and then a company approaches you and shows you their vision for the football club. Obviously, we don't know that. We don't know what yeah, we're yeah. seeing. Um, and you like what you see, and they go. If we're successful in this, then you can have a job within the within the um, on the, you know a place on the board or whatever it, whatever that job might be. We don't know. Mm. Um, and you, you're a fan, you know, and you've got no other work, you know, you've got no job or whatever, or you know, you, you're free to make that decision. Like he said, you know, he's lucky in the position that he is at the moment, where he's free to make decisions for himself. He's not attached mm. to anyone. Then you snap that up, you know. If he's seen what he's seen over the last seven to ten days, and it genuinely excites him, you know, I don't because we haven't seen what he's seen. Well, I don't think we, we we're not really in a position to to question his motives. I don't because we can't see what he's seen. If we I just then, if we then see the vision eventually and go, mm, not too sure actually, you know, hmm. um, then potentially fans might question Tony's motives. But the moment we can't, it's unfair to go to, oh, Tony Cotty's only doing it for this, or he's only doing it for that, or, you know, it seems a little bit coincidental that he's just lost his Sky job. I think that's unfair to, you know, to judge him or his decision-making, you know, based on, you know, your own judgment of the situation or the company. I think... Worth know, noting, James, worth noting as well, Tony was involved in the, uh, was it the Landers Banky or what? Yeah. I can't remember. The, yeah. He was involved in that takeover. During his time, he's worked for Sky for twenty years. Yeah. So you know, it, yeah. there's bits, he's been involved in other things when he had a job. It just so happens that this time, um, he's he's at, like he's he's uh, been he's lost his job at Sky. But I yeah, so I think that that chat is 
not worth the time of day really no. um no. because and i think anyone questioning tony's motives as someone who loves the club i think you're coming at that from from a, the wrong direction um what i i think is important james i know it's easy as we all like to um of you know at certain times that you want to make you want to make a decision as a fan uh, especially with such a contentious issue like this one you want to make a decision as soon as you can and decide what mast you want to pin your flag to. And we've already seen a lot of, to be fair, the discourse has been quite respectful. I've found in all of our comments on the YouTube video that went live the other day uh, on Sunday, sorry. And in the, 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 the comments and discussions fans have been having with each other on our Twitter uh, channels as well at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. It's just, we are West Ham podcast on YouTube, but all of those James has been fairly respectful, but I'm already getting a sense of people who are determined to be in one camp or the other. One of my favourite comments I've seen on one of ours um, <laughs> the other day, I think it was from our, our friend who asked a question of Tony the other day, uh, WHU underscore Mark Reaper, or <laughs> who said to someone, um, you know, this isn't Brexit. You don't have to make a decision one way or the other right now. Like, just just hold off. Um, yeah. you, you know, it isn't GSB in or GSB out or whatever at the moment it, it doesn't have to be one or the other there can be gray area in between and that's what i think is important message to send at this stage james um is that it's okay to withhold judgment at the moment absorb the information that comes out when it can be that from tony now there will be developments we're led to believe there's going to be whether it's another second bid this week or just more details or more development around it this week uh, it's okay to not have made your mind up 100% at the moment, isn't it? It's okay to be in two minds. Um, I think, I think where this, where this comes from, where it's either you're one side or the other is, I think, you know, fans of society, it's society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. It's number one on the list, but um, I think also fans have been waiting for so long for something, for, for these sort of discussions to be, to be had. Um, and to know that there is a company buying or, or interested in buying the football club, I think fans have been waiting for that for, for quite a few years now. Uh, we all know the situation. Um, and I think maybe a lot of fans are just a little bit underwhelmed by the fact that it's not, you know, as I think David Gold and Sullivan have both said, you know, if the Saudi, if, you know, the king of Saudi Arabia rocked up and said they buy the football club, they'd sell. Um, turns out Pi Capital isn't run by the King of Saudi Arabia. And I think I think genuinely when you look at maybe like the Newcastle takeover attempt, you know, and it was essentially the King of Saudi Arabia. I think, fans, <laughs> yeah. I think fans are a little bit like, oh, it's just a venture capitalist firm. Like it's not a multi-billionaire oil baron or the King of Saudi Arabia or, you know, some, you know, it's it's just a venture capitalist. Company you know what? And, and I think I think genuinely fans are a little bit disappointed and that's playing on their mind a little bit again. Well, hang on, you know, we want Gold Sullivan and Brady out. We want the club to be moving forward, but we want the buyer. Uh, we, we half expected any anyone to buy the football club to be, you know, these multi-billionaire owners and perhaps the people bankrolled in this are, multi- we don't know where the money, where the money is, how much money they've got. Um it doesn't. But I think. I think without that information, like it, does it? it doesn't sound like it. Um, it. We might be wrong, but I think part that's partly it. And then when you've got all like the little, you know the little PR disasters along the way, I think fans are beginning to think, well, maybe this isn't the takeover we dreamed of. You know, when we moved to the London Stadium, we thought, okay, well, this isn't ideal. This is not really what we wanted. But if it does mean that eventually we're gonna 
be bought out by, you know, someone that wants to turn West Ham into superpower, uh, a la Man City um, and maybe Newcastle. And I mean, for me, that isn't important. That isn't no, important. I, do, I, just, I, I mean, I just want West Ham to be a well-run football club and to, you know, win a bit of silverware and not be, you know, not be the football club that it's been for the last, you know, five to 10 years. Um, for 40 years. Or yeah. 40 years. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, having someone come in and, and chuck hundreds of millions or billions of pounds into football club is great, um, but it shouldn't be all that we want. You know, I, we, we want the club to be, you know, run a little bit better and run a little bit differently to, to the way it is now. And I think fans perhaps looking at this one going, this isn't what we dreamed of. Because every fan dreams of it. And I think that's why there's a like a, a yes or a no, because there's a lot of, perhaps it's disappointment. I don't know. Um, I think, I think it's just people being guided by some people are just guided and uh, potentially blinded perhaps by, I don't care who it is. Just get these people, get gold Sullivan and Brady out. Some fans, obviously we can see it have come from that point of view and others are being a bit more measured and saying, you know, I, I, I don't just want anyone because there's no guarantee they'd be better. And there is, believe it or not, despite what many people think there is, there's lots worse out there, isn't there? Um, I, my, I, we spoke about it last week, James. Um, I, I think it's you've just got to look at Leicester. That's uh, you know their Kuntop, uh, uh, the their family net worth is about five billion US dollars. I think um, I had a quick look the other day. That's sort of a personal net worth. So I appreciate the company assets and all that might extend to beyond that, but that's probably about two and a half. Um, billion quid, which is about two and a half times what um, David Sullivan's worth. He's reportedly worth around a billion pounds. David Gold around four hundred and fifty million, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's not that you're they're not like Leicester's owners aren't king of Saudi Arabia wealth, are they? Or like arch ruler of Dubai or whatever. They're they're not mega oil barons. They're rich, wealthy people, of course. But well, that's it's, that's. That's my point, mate. That's you know, if it's not, I think fans are like, okay, well, if it's not going to be a you know, an all baron or a king of Saudi Arabia, or whatever, then it's got to be someone, you know, willing to come in and actually run the football club, you know, properly and you know, um, like the way they've done at Leicester. Um, you know, you don't have to be, you know, incredibly wealthy to be able to do what you've done at Leicester. It's just about you know doing the right thing and listening to the fans and and, and the rest of it. Um, and at the moment like I've already explained earlier on, Pi haven't really given us any reason to believe that they're the ones to be able to do that. Mm, I agree, yeah. Given what's happened over the last, what, three, two, three weeks, the way that they've communicated to the fans so far leads people to, you know, maybe have a few question marks as to as to whether they, they're the right people to buy the football club and take the club football club forward, whether that's bankrolling, you know, winning Premier League titles within three years or whatever, or whether that's just being a well-run football club both on and off the pitch, there's question marks now. And, you know, they've now got a job on their hands to, to um, you know, to put that right and to, to remove that, you know, that that opinion that, you know, fans have developed about them. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do agree, mate. The um, Yeah, I just think at this stage, there's not enough detail to make a... No. Like, I certainly wouldn't come on this podcast and say, yeah, this is definitely... This is why I'm back in PAI. Or at the moment, really, like, I'm like you. I'm sort of leaning towards not really. Like I don't think this is um, – yep. it hasn't been done very well. But then, I, again, I still think this we're 
we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, really, aren't we? And hopefully, uh, again, if if it was me in a in an ideal world, James, if uh, if a company or an organisation were going to come in and take over West Ham, I agree with you. You'd almost rather it all be done, signed, sealed, and delivered behind the scenes, and then once it's done then you can come out and then you sell the vision to the fans at that stage don't you but that that hasn't happened um so yeah i I think from from this stage we've got to wait and see when uh developments or when the details extra details come out uh if at all they're going to we're led to believe it's going to be this week um i certainly don't think uh tony cotty's sort of um place in the whole thing uh, can be questioned given what we've we've covered already um and you know, you know but by the same token that's not to say that just because tony's now involved that um it's 100 what we think is is the right thing from the football club but once uh extra details come out um jonesy then i think we can all make a little bit more of an informed decision at that stage can't we yeah yeah i mean exactly. ho- hopefully we get something in the next week but um as long as it's not in the way of TalkSport interviews, because like, just leave leave the TalkSport interviews alone. Like we get annoyed when David Sullivan does it. Like just just do it via a well written statement and let us know that way. Or a well liked podcast called We Are West Ham. I mean, or yeah, get in touch with us and we'd we'd happily chat to you. <laughs> exactly. Well, let, but we'll, I say just to reiterate, we do appreciate. Um, Tony coming on uh, and speaking to us last week and then, of course, over the weekend as well. Um, so, yeah, if there, anyone's got any questions or anything, do get in touch. We appreciate all of the um, uh, all of the engagement we've had over the last uh, couple of days. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. Stay with us on the We Are West Ham podcast because we'll have as much more detail as we can bring you as soon as we get it over the rest of the season and all the other uh, outstanding content that we produce week in, week out. Uh, thanks a lot. Stay with us because we've got Betway Charity Bets next. Great show so far, James. Brilliant to hear from Tony Cotty again. Good to hear from your, uh, or good to get some reaction from you as well, of course. Um, as we touched on earlier in the introduction, it's a little bit of a piecemeal podcast this week because of West Ham's game last night and uh, me being on a, uh, nights this week. So we've had to record little bits and pieces where we can in advance of uh, Tuesday. But Jonesy, absolutely brilliant win over Leicester last night. Uh, unfortunately, though, we didn't win any of our bets. We were very close indeed, but um, yeah, no luck on the Betway charity bet side of things. Uh, just run through what we had uh, last night, Jonesy, and of course, then we'll make our selections, mine, yours and Reese's for the Crystal Palace game on Saturday. Yeah, well, the, the, the assumption was, particularly when Leicester got that goal back, that, that someone must have won a bet. Because we all three of us, um, myself, you, and Tony Carty, all had both teams to score. So, um, but there was no winner. Tony had West Ham to win. Angelo Bono to score any time, and both teams to score. Oh, Bono was um, close as well, wasn't Bonnie he? Bono did come close. Um, I, I had both teams to score. Ben Rama to score or assist did both. Um, but Jared Bowen to score any time. Every time I pick Jared Bowen, I know. he never scores. But as but soon as I don't you pick don't. him, he will he will score. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, and then you had Aaron Cresswell to score assist. Obviously, that didn't come in. Both teams to score. And he Tuchet should have scored as well, shouldn't he? Should, that volley yeah. from the edge of the box. Thomas Tuchet to score any time. Obviously, that didn't come in as well. So um, close. I think I might have been closer this week, but still. Yeah, you really, and Tony. 
just reached with a win so far this after two weeks, which is you know, at least we're at least we're off the mark somewhere. We'll take one win from two, though, wouldn't we, mate? Yeah, all day long yeah, for sure. But, um, for sure. Got a fancy, got a fancy against Palestar after that that showing on on Monday night. Um, so the bets are a little bit more bold, I think. I think we're all expecting goals. All three of us, myself, you, and Reese, have all gone for over three and a half goals. Right. Uh, I was thinking that this morning. I was like, God, I'm going to do three over three and a half. And then both of you put it in the WhatsApp group, three and a half. I thought, yep, yeah, that's definitely now done. <laughs> that's um, in, or, yeah. Or actually probably not now. We've all, <laughs> yeah, it screams but... one nil now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Will, you've gone for the Palace game on Saturday. West Ham to win over three and a half. And Antonio any time. Antonio looks like it's now done whenever he plays now. Then he's in such good form. Um, Reese has gone Dawson any time, which is interesting. Nice. Both. Both teams to score and over three and a half. And I don't know about both teams, mate. I I, I swerved the clean sheet bet this week, but I don't know about Palace. I watched, I was at the Palace Chelsea game um, at Stamford Bridge, and they were, I know it's Chelsea, but they were dreadful. They were like Jordan Ayu up front, Ben Teko coming off the bench, did nothing. Zaha, nothing. But both of them players, Ben Teko and Ayu, love a goal against us, don't they? Mm, So. Um, they might they might not score in like twenty games and then they play against us and AE will pop up with a hat trick and score that world class goal. <laughs> he but did, he scored that screamer, did. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So um but yeah, I mean I, I get what you're saying, particularly in the form both teams both sides are in. Um it's a bit of a risky one, but it'll drive the odds up a little bit. Uh and I've gone over three and a half, side Ben Rama to score two or more. I really fancy him there. To to really start, you know, he's what he's got two goals, two assists already. I fancy him to start banging him in. Um, <laughs> you got no chance, and and the the leg of the bet, which is guaranteed to make sure I lose, I've put Jared Bowen in again to score or assist. I'm, Mate, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm so eager to get a win under my belt with Bowen in in my bet because it just Mate, never happens. No, you know what? I fancy it this this week. I was close to putting him in. I never I never ever do. The only thing that sort of put me off a bit is he's on corners, isn't he? And but no, I just uh, I really fancy it. Pulisic scored for Chelsea against Palace. Uh, I know Marcus Alonso obviously got the free kick, but um and then Trevor Chalobah got that absolute barnstorm of a goal but Pulisic come in similar position to Bowen, similar type of player. They did look a bit vulnerable with those quick speedy players of, of Chelsea's I know they drew nil nil with Brentford after that but um yeah no I'd, I reckon you might I was very very close to going Bowen this week but um as sort of I'd, I end up doing last season I just want to get one off the mark so I've got the zero off my off yeah. my board um uh, but yeah I'd, I reckon you might be onto something with Bowen again the narrative as well they were in for him weren't they yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, th- I thought he was, I, th- I think he scored against him last season, didn't he? And um, he might have done, it might have been Villa, like the game mm. I'm thinking of. But um, he was one of the unsung heroes, I thought, in that in that Leicester win. I thought he played very, very well. It was very, I mean, they all played very well, but I thought he mm. he was kind of, he kind of, his performance went under the radar and it was kind of, you know, the likes of Ben Rama and Antonio kind of overshadowed how well Bowen did. Um, so he's in great form. He may not have scored scored yet, but he's in he's in brilliant form at the moment. So it's only a matter of time with him. It's funny though that I I never I never ever feel like he's a goal threat. Like for and to be fair, you know, I tweeted this morning about um, I'm absolutely gutted that didn't go viral. By the way, tweeted this morning just saying you know how Antonio Ben Rama rightly getting applauded, but um, Pablo Fornells was stunning. I honestly. 
that's the best game I've seen him play ever, yeah. hands down yeah. in the West Ham shirt. And the difference is, we said last season, Moyes obviously loves him for his work work rate. I don't always feel majorly confident when he's on the ball. Last night, he was absolutely stunning. His touches yeah. were brilliant. He, he, all his passing was like just incisive, attacking, accurate, and everything he did seemed to turn to gold. And if he can carry on that form, he will be some player for West Ham this season. And rightfully so as well. He obviously loves it, doesn't he? And uh, loves the club, works hard for the shirt. And um, yeah, brilliant. But the same, I always feel like out of the two of them, if someone's going to score, it's more likely to be Fornells, which is weird because Bowen's more of an up and at and in your face, like pacey sort of player, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? But he almost scored against Newcastle, didn't he, with that, that winding run into the box. He sort of beat mm. like four or five players and hit it straight to keep at the end. But um that showed that showed me that he's he's hungry and he you know, he's well up for it this season. Um and do you remember when he first joined, we were like, we want him to be a little bit more confident on the ball. Mm. Um and I think we begin to see that from him now. He's a little bit you know, he he prefer he likes running at defenders, doesn't he? which you didn't see a, lot, a great deal of when he first joined. So, so yeah, only a matter of time. And I think I'm, I'm hoping this weekend's the one because um, until he until he scores, he's staying in my bet, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just leave him in there all season long. Well, look, um, nice one, Jonesy. We're unlucky. I, I feel like we've had an excellent start to the season, the Betway Charity Bets. Great to get one off the mark week one, of course. And even even though we uh, we didn't win, sort of out of our nine uh, nine sections between the three of us we pick a three-leg bet each we had what do we have um trying to do the maths quickly five of our five of our nine come in was it this week yeah i had two for you and tony cotty and i had i had the one and five of nine legs isn't too bad is it you're only one away there from from having a guaranteed winner so um no i think good start to the season so far on the charity bets confident again uh, this week that one of us, me, you or Reese, can pull in some money for either. Just to remind you all, of course, this is the Betway Charity Bet section where Betway give us a £50 charity stake each each week uh, to put on a three-leg West Ham bet for every single one of West Ham's Premier League games this season. And any winnings from either of those, uh, from any of our bets that win, um, go towards the charities, the three West Ham link charities we're playing for. James, you are playing for the Dylan Tom Beattie's DT38 Foundation. I am playing for the Bobby Moore Fund and Reese for Isla's Fire. And as always, you can back those bets for real if you like the sound of uh, me and the boys' selections on the Betway website and app. Just go to the pre-built bet section uh, for West Ham Crystal Palace it will be this week Jonesy for the Saturday game the you'll get the odds from uh, Chad from Betway around Thursday won't you the graphics will go up on at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter so you can see what odds our bets are for this week um, and if you want to back them, it'll be about Thursday where you can go and find those bets on the Betway uh, website and app. So, yeah, great start so far. And Josie, I'm speaking to Max Matthews, Crystal Palace fan and sports journalist. Next up, friend of the show, returning guest uh, to give us the opposition view. And uh, it will give us an idea whether any of those bets have got any chance of winning. So stick with us. It's opposition view next.
So I'm delighted to say that joining us once again on the We Are Sam podcast, friend of mine, friend of the podcast, is a Crystal Palace fan and sports journalist and all-round good guy, Max Matthews. Max, great to have you back on the show again, mate. Looking ahead to West Ham United against Crystal Palace at the London Stadium, Saturday, 3 o'clock, uh, classic time to play a game of football between two classic Premier League teams. Uh, one... One to look forward to for sure, mate. Uh, bit of a London derby. Not too much beef between the two sides, really, historically, is there? But always always pretty entertaining games and ones I look forward to. Yeah, very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here again. Um, yeah, they are always really good games. And you're right, there doesn't seem to be too much kind of feistiness or rivalry between the teams. It just seems to be, you know, quite a nice, um, like, enthralling, exciting Premier League games. And like you say, the last couple of seasons between the sides have always been quite tight games you know 3-2 and 2-1 and a couple of late winners uh, which I had to mention <laughs> but yeah yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it yeah absolutely mate. I mean uh, I'm still scarred by the game at Selhurst Park I went to uh, got in late someone had stolen our seats in the worst away end there is in the Premier League anyway you can't see most of the pitch the view's terrible uh, and then Marouane Shamak scored for you may have even been twice but he scored for you against us and uh, yeah very scarring experience at Sellers Park that was but uh, Max I was fortunate enough um, while I was working at Stamford Bridge for your uh, opening game of the season against Chelsea Um no shame, to be honest, in losing at Stamford Bridge and Crystal Palace's season and most teams, to be honest, uh, their season aren't, isn't going to be defined by a defeat at Stamford Bridge because there's plenty of teams are going to go there and uh, and be on the end of results. 3-0 it was. Um, I was watching Patrick Vieira for most of the game, seeing if he was as animated uh, and boisterous as a manager as he was as a player. And that didn't turn out to be the case. At all. Uh, but the, I, I think the game at the weekend, I suppose, 0 0 against Brentford, slightly more possession. Um, they had doubled the amount of shots as you did. Uh, three shots on target to your two. I know Ivan Tony missed a big chance as well. Um, I, those are the sort of games, I guess, that are going to make the difference for Palace. What, what have you made of your opening two, two games? Yeah, yeah, very much so. As you say, our, our, our season won't be defined by results at Stamford Bridge. I mean, you probably need your full strength team. You need every player to be eight or nine out of ten and Chelsea to be really off their game to have a chance. And I was saying to my dad earlier, we're probably missing our best defender, Anderson, our best midfielder, Gallagher, and our best striker in Benteke, um, who all returned against Brentford. And I think you really saw um, the improvement based off of that. But of course, you know, it's taken us a bit of time to um, to adapt to the very different style of play and all of that. Uh, so basically what you don't want first up in the new season with loads of change in players and staff and manager and all of that is uh, an away trip to the European champions. I mean, we didn't really fire a shot in anger. Um, no. <laughs> I, I actually can't remember a single shot. But um, I think you got through on goal, um, got through on goal down the right and channel might have been Zaha. Uh, yeah, really who it, just yeah. fluffed, yeah, fluffed his lines and that was yeah. as dangerous as it got for yeah, uh, Edward Mendy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but so they're a really quality team. Um, in fact, I was actually watching it um, in a in a pub garden with with my mate who's a Chelsea fan, and, and it, it didn't go well. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but uh, we really did improve against Brentford, and I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed we couldn't manage to get the win. But then I think Brentford could say that they um, got a fair point. I think it was fair. Um, a draw was what both teams deserved. 
And it was a big improvement in terms of performance. We looked much livelier with the kind of the pressure. We looked really solid at the back with Gay and Anderson, new, new signings playing together for the first time. And yeah, although we have got a really tricky run starting with West Ham very soon um, and maybe we would have wanted to get three points in that game, I think we showed enough improvement for there to be some optimism. Yeah, yeah. So before we look ahead um, to the game on Saturday, Max, Patrick Vieira, what did you make of the appointment? What have you made so far from what you've seen and heard? Obviously, you'll have heard a lot more of his, his comments and stuff that some of our listeners might have done. So give us your, give us your thoughts on him. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't too sure about us uh, getting him as manager. And when, you know, the, the kind of shortlists and the candidates were being talked about, his name wasn't too high up on our list. And I don't want to be kind of disrespectful to him because obviously he's got a massive presence as a player. But obviously he's a little bit unproven in the managerial world. He's never managed uh, in England before. He has coached in England under uh, Mikel Arteta at City. Um, and he's only kind of had a couple of seasons at New York and then a couple of seasons at Nice in France. Um, and very much um, Nuno Espirito Santo and then Lucien Favre were our first choices. Uh, but Nuno was kind of prevaricating, thinking about a move to Tottenham, which he eventually got. And then Favre decided it wasn't for him. And so it felt like it was just kind of returning back to our old list of candidates and maybe going to someone who is fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh down our list. Um, but all the noises he's been making seem quite positive. We've obviously instigated a, a revolution in terms of players. We got rid of about 10 or 11 <laughs> players out of contract. It's a, a massive turnaround. And But it's exactly what, what we needed and what the Palace fans wanted because we had such an ageing squad. I think we had the oldest average age squad in the Premier League last season. And we really, really struggled in terms of, you know, just the kind of relentless physicality of the, of the Premier League. And we were just... We had a, quite a small squad. There were loads of injuries being picked up. And ultimately, we, we never get any transfer fees for our players. Juan Bissaka is a one-off. We sold him for 50 million. And how many times does a 50 million academy product come through your system? Not very often. And so it basically is not a sustainable way to, to run the club financially. Mm. And so now we're moving towards a much more sustainable way where we're signing lots of exciting young players. You know, Anderson's 25, Gay is 21, Gallagher is only on loan, but he's 22. Elise is young. I think he's 19. Um, obviously, Eze, we signed the season before. And those are the kind of players, kind of young and dynamic, um, who are going to get better as they get older. And say they don't work out in two, three seasons, we can sell them on for the same that we bought them for, or maybe even make a profit if, if they do really well. And so very much I'm delighted with the transfer window we've had so far. It's almost a perfect transfer window. If we can get Enketio or Nelson maybe on loan from Arsenal or something, strengthen our forward line. I think that would pretty much be the perfect window. Um, we'll just have to see how Vieira does uh, in the rest of the games because it's uh, obviously a pretty small sample size so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you sort of hope for, I guess, with uh, the Vieira links with Arsenal that, that that might help you with one of those two transfers you mentioned just then. To be quite honest, Max, I wouldn't mind Eddie and Ketia coming in at West Ham at all in desperate need um, for a striker. So, Max, the uh, looking ahead, or actually before we look ahead, you mentioned there about Crystal Palace's backline. I've asked you this before, and we always like to check in um, whenever we do the Palace opposition view on our, our old fan favourite, James Tompkins, who I think many fans would still like to see at the club now. There's certainly no suggestion that Issa Diop, um, for example, is an enormous improvement. Uh, 12 million quid seemed like reasonable money that we got from at the time. You mentioned your best backline being Guayhi and Anderson there. Um, where does that leave Tompkins? How, how's he thought of among the Palace fans? How, where does he fit in at the, the club at the moment? 
Yeah, I mean, he he's he's pretty highly rated by the Palace fans. I mean, he is probably in our, well, he was definitely for the last three or four seasons when he was fit, uh, a first choice player in the team. But it was just a question of when he was fit and he kept picking mm. up um, kind of niggly injuries, which is a real shame for him. And then last season, he had a really uh, horrible eye injury. I think he got kicked in the eye in training. And obviously, it's uh, such a sensitive area that you, you have to be really, really careful about um, kind of coming back to fitness. So while we were really struggling with kind of who to play at centre-back last season, and we played another ex-hammer in Kiyate there for a lot of um, for a lot of the season, just kind of because we had to, um, he was a bit unfortunate that he was out for all of that time when he probably would have been playing regularly. Mm. Um in terms of this season, yeah, I, I mean, I reckon Gehi and Anderson might be the might be the first choice pairing. But Gehi is quite young. He's obviously still adapting to the Premier League. He had a good season on loan at Swansea in the Championship. But you know, with the kind of schedule that that the Premier League has now, I imagine it will be Anderson will be the real kind of bedrock and the foundation of the backline. And then it might be Gehi and Tompkins maybe switching uh, switching it up a little bit. But he's he's very highly thought of. He um, his contract expires next summer. But I can very much imagine us keeping him as a squad player. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a solid, solid player. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, uh, Matthews. Well, looking ahead to to the game at London Stadium this weekend then, Max. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit of a strange one, really. I mean, West Ham, um, it's always a game that on paper you think, oh, you know, we, we should beat, especially Palace at home. You think, yeah, home game, our home form was excellent last season. Uh, under Moisey, sort of, he's turned that round. Uh, what what can we, the West Ham fans, expect from Crystal Palace? You played a four three three at the weekend. You mentioned some of the new signings there, and I say, having watched Palace already this season, Chelsea away is not really a fair one. But there was nothing there that I thought, oh, that's exciting. Uh, but you have got, I would say, sort of, sort of, as an outsider, you're a more exciting team to watch if it's not against my own team. You know, I'd, I'd be more inclined this season than I would have in seasons past to, to watch Crystal Palace, the management change being one thing and the the players as well. But um, yeah, what can style-wise, line-up, team news, all that sort of thing, what can West Ham fans expect from Palace um, visiting the London Stadium on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's completely fair enough that I think neutrals will probably want to watch us a little bit more this season rather than under Hodge somewhere at, at times it was a little bit uh, kind of conservative and pragmatic. In terms of team news, I'd probably say you can expect the same pretty much the same lineup that was against Brentford. That's our strongest team at the moment. <clears throat> Obviously, we have uh, Eze, uh, long-term injured, Nathan Ferguson the same. Michael Elise might be back kind of on the bench, um, but I suspect it'll be very much the, the same team. In terms of style, um, we saw um, exactly how the kind of team want to play against Brentford. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there'll be lots of pressure high up the pitch, um, whereas Previously, as as you well know, Palace would kind of sit back quite deep and look to soak up pressure and maybe kind of do a, a half-court press. And when teams got close to their goal, they would press, but not before. Um, that's very much changed. Um, we look to get the ball kind of forward quite quickly through the midfield, especially through Gallagher, transitioning it up to um, our forward players. Um, Benteke is always uh, a threat in the air. Um, so we, do, we are still targeting him with kind of long, high crosses from wide. I think Benteke might have scored a header in the last in the last couple of years against West Ham. Um, but yeah. Almost are, certainly. Almost yeah. certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are we are looking much more exciting. Um, but I think we do still look a little bit vulnerable to playing out from the back. We've started doing what big teams do, which is putting the two centre-backs 
on either side of the six-yard box from goal kicks and Guaita will just tap it to one of them and we'll play out from there. And with Kuyate in centre mid, you know, many things he is. He, he's not a, a, a fantastic retainer and distributor of the ball, um, shall we say. So at times he got caught against Brentford and they had a couple of shots from outside the box from Tony when he got caught in possession. So as much as we're going to try and press you, you can definitely press us and there's an opportunity there to catch us out of the back. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that makes for a bit of an interesting game, Max. I think David Moyes is still not in not in so much of a boring, pragmatic fashion as Jose Mourinho, but he's still very happy to let um opposition sides have the ball. You know, we rarely have sort of um we rarely dominate possession, put it that way. Um we're we're certainly set up for that. So it'd be an interesting one. Wilfred Zaha, Max, I mean the perennial transfer rumour that, that that man is. Um I don't know. We must have had the exact same conversation this time last year and this time the season before and probably the season before that. You know, I know he's he's your highest paid player. Um, I I don't know. What what do you make of it? He's there again. And it it seems like nowadays there isn't an appetite for him. The wages he's on at Palace, there's better value for money out there than perhaps there was, which is perhaps why he was so... Uh, infuriated that he didn't get the move, that, you know, a season or two ago, because um, he knew that the time would come where fa- other clubs just aren't willing or interested in paying. Is he? Is he? Is it correct that he's about hundred thousand a week at Palace? Yeah, around that. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean, it's fair to say I don't think that these days any other clubs are, g- are going to pay that money for him. What, what would he make of that situation, and will he ever leave? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in a way, I, I hope he doesn't leave because obviously he's such a fantastic player. But it, in a way, I also kind of want him to, you know, spread his wings and fly at a better team than Palace because he is, I mean, too good for Palace. I, I don't like diminishing my own club. You still but think? He, <laughs> yeah, but you still he, think that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think he is too good. Um, the trouble is now is that, as you say, his age is becoming a factor now because... He, he obviously started out very young. And so he, even by the time he came back to Palace, where it didn't really work out at United, he was still kind of 24, 25. He was very much in the early stages of his career, had lots of room to improve. He's, he's 28 or 29 now. He's maybe lost a very, very slight touch of that explosive acceleration and pace that he once had. Obviously, he's improved in other areas, you know, his game understanding, his ball retention, his decision-making, his finishing, um, all of that. But he's maybe not as as kind of a, as as rapid as he once was. And teams are also thinking, well, am I going to get a return on this investment? Is it going to be a Willian situation where we buy him for, you know, 50 million, however much Palace are demanding, we give him 150 grand a week and we get one or two good seasons out of him and then he's stuck on massive money. Um, at the same time, I think, maybe teams have missed out in not getting him in his previous years. For example, Arsenal, famously under Unai Emery, um, Mm. I think Zaha was fantastic in a game that we beat them 3-2 at the Emirates. And Emery said, I I want Zaha. He's a player who can change games now, presently. And the club wanted to um, get someone younger in Pepe. They spent 80 million on Pepe. 80 million on Pepe. 72 million quid, yeah. And definitely... um, you know, Pepe will maybe be better than Zaha in five years, but no, Zaha's been no better chance. in the last <laughs> seven, eight years. So, I mean, I, I feel like that was maybe a questionable investment and that was one that Emery had right because I think Zaha would have been a really great signing for them at that time. And they could have got him for less than than 72. 
Um, but now, obviously, it's a bit late having also bought Willian for, you know, stupid money, really. Um, yeah, it's just it's just his wages, isn't it, Willian? He's on, yeah, but I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so uh, to be honest, I mean, we'll probably have the uh, have the same conversation next year and maybe the one after as well, because that, his name is just gold dust in terms of headlines for sports <laughs> journalists and transfer rumours and all that. But I think it's probably becoming increasingly less likely that he's going to leave. Um, just because I don't think a, a team is going to pay the 40 or 50 million that the Palace want for him. Yeah, yeah. How long has he got left on his contract, Max? That's a good question. Probably two you know, or three years. He did yeah, sign so a five-year one in, one or two yeah. years ago. So it's still a decent old uh, decent old thing. That's Yeah, that is an intriguing one. Well, I look forward to doing the um, opposition view if West Ham are uh, the opponents at Wilfred Zaha's testimonial in about 10 years' time <laughs> when he still just played another 400 games for Crystal Palace, hating yeah. every minute of it. Well, look, Max, it's, uh, it's been brilliant having you on. Before we let you go, as always, give us a score prediction. Saturday afternoon, three o'clock, West Ham v Crystal Palace. 60,000 fans back in the London Stadium, 3,000 of which will be the noisy South Londoners in the bottom right corner of the uh, Sir Trevor Brooking stand. What are you saying? Uh, I hate to say it. I think it's going to be 2-1 West Ham. 2-1 West Ham. Nice one, Max. This is what we like to hear from our opposition views coming on to the <laughs> West Ham podcast. Well, look, Max, brilliant speaking to you again. Max Matthews there, Crystal Palace fan and sports journalist joining us for the opposition view. And stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts next. <laughs> So that was Max Matthews there looking forward to Crystal Palace at home on Saturday, three o'clock at the London Stadium. Uh, Brilliant to have Max on there. Lads, uh, that is it for this week's show. It's been a busy old time for the We Are West Ham podcast. Just like to say a quick hello to any new listeners we've got. You might have seen the interview we did with Tony um, over the weekend or perhaps last week. Uh, welcome to new listeners. Welcome to Reese, of course, first full-time podcast. And uh, although he's only with us for a couple of sections tonight, that was more of a scheduling issue. Um, but from next week, it'll be back to normal. Reese will be with us for the entire show, uh, which will be absolutely brilliant. Um, lads, one thing, just quickly, a uh, quick reminder, sorry, uh, the We Are West Ham Fancy Premier League League is still live. You can still join. The code for that is OR, as in the letter O, R1WUC. Um, you can head over there and join if you still fancy. Boys, before we say goodbye for another week, obviously a fantastic start, the perfect start to the Premier League campaign for West Ham. Um, one thing this week that we've got to look forward to is Friday's Europa League draw. I think it sort of crept up on us a little bit, given that, you know, as we've mentioned, what start we've had to the Premier League season. Um, but fantastic, really exciting to qualify last season. I personally cannot wait. Uh, that is Friday afternoon, I believe that is. Uh, Jones, are you excited? Buzzing for it. I always switch off when, when there's the Champions League and you wrote really draw every year, especially all my mates who support Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea. Start. They talk about who they're going to get, where they're going to go, and I always just switch off. So it's nice this year that we can be involved and, and, and watch it for ourselves and looking forward to seeing who we can get. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We've actually got two cup draws this week. Just reminded me, Wednesday night, because uh, we entered the League Cup, Carabao Cup, later, one round later this year because we qualified for Europe. Um, the second round games, I believe it is, are taking place on Tuesday night as we're recording and Wednesday 
Um, and then the draw takes place after the Arsenal-West Brom game on Wednesday night for the Carabao Cup. But Reese, huge week for the club um, and a huge day on Friday. Quite a, you know, a bit of a historic occasion. Um, the Europa League draw. Um, yeah, I mean, first game's the 16th of September. Just huge for West Ham, really. That's actually my wedding anniversary as well. So uh, that'd be an interesting night as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, we'll just have to see who we get in the draw, mate, really. Um, you know, I think I think Moisey will take it extremely serious um, to try and see where we can get in it. It'd be nice to have a couple of or all three decent away trips. Um, something I'd like to do is go and see us in away in Europe. I haven't had that pleasure yet. Um, so, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah, exciting times, mate. Totally agree. That's uh, That will pretty much be supporting West Ham completed it, I think, from my point of view, if I get to yeah, see West Ham yeah. win. <laughs> Win away in Europe. So, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of exciting stuff we've got to look forward to this week's Keep Your Eye Out for the League Cup draw and the uh, yeah Europa League draw on Friday. That is uh, just a quick one. Before we say goodbye, get some final thoughts from the lads. You can follow us, We Are West Ham, on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. We're We Are West Ham pod on Instagram. Just search We Are West Ham podcast on Facebook and the same on YouTube. A massive boost. Uh, in our YouTube stuff recently, particularly with the Tony Cotty interview over the weekends. Thanks to all those who new subscribers and who replied in the comments and engaged with us in the last few days. Welcome and uh, we hope you stay with us for the rest of the season. Jonesy, um, I'll throw to you first just on some final thoughts um, from you on the podcast this week. Welcome, Reese. We're top of the Premier League table. We've got a Europa League draw coming up on Friday. Have we peaked, though? Is this the best week we are going to have in the season? Is it all downhill from here? I hope not. I hope not. Just, I mean, just got to enjoy it while it lasts because you just never know a West Ham deer, to be honest. But um, top of the league for at least another four or five days. Uh, going to enjoy that for as much, you know, much as we can. And look forward to the draw, buzzing for Palace at, at the weekend. And, yeah, just going to enjoy it. All right. We don't often get these little moments, do we? I know it's been a good twenty odd months under Moyes, but this is this is the peak of the Moyes, the current Moyes era um, so far. Just wondering how or when it will get any better. Mm, absolutely, man. I mean, we've shared transfers on this show again tonight for obvious reasons, like you say. I think just smile and enjoy it while we can. I'm the same opinion as you that you know if we don't. Um, reinforce the squad it'll be disappointing we leave ourselves short but um yeah hey just quickly uh james as well what are you thinking for palace we obviously spoke i obviously spoke to max um but what's your thoughts looking ahead to the palace game you confident yeah i haven't seen this against leicester and um and obviously newcastle but particularly the leicester one um and given i mean they're under a new manager still getting to grips with it couldn't couldn't well they were atrocious against chelsea couldn't beat brentford I do fancy us to, it should, be, it should be another three points, touch wood. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You're right, they were atrocious against Chelsea. Didn't, um, yeah, again, nil-nil against Brentford. Not sure about that result, but you'd hope we'd be able to get a result and carry on three points um, and make that nine from nine, the opening three. Reese, great to have you with us, mate. We're looking forward to uh, you joining us every single week for the rest of the season. It's exciting stuff coming up for the We Are West Ham podcast and exciting stuff coming up 
for West Ham. So after your first show, albeit a little bit piecemeal, your first one proper next week, of course. But just give us some final thoughts, your reaction to the Leicester game, maybe looking forward to Palace, the Europa League draw, Carabao Cup, all good stuff being a hammer at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Palace game should be good. Um, obviously, having a new manager, they they were used to be a bit of a voting side for us, I suppose, at home when Hodgson was there. But you know, it'd be it'd be brilliant if we can carry on the start, get another big win, you know, take us into the international break, potentially top, um, so we can milk it as much as we want. Um, and the main thing, you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure, like over the season, is keeping players fit. Um, to try and see what we can achieve um, and just hope that it don't derail quicker than usual. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, mate. Yeah, that's that's the only thing you sort of hope because we've obviously got a squad to compete in, in the Premier League at least. Well, maybe not. You know what? Whatever. The transfer window um, will, I believe, uh, am I right in saying this, Josie, actually? Get my dates right. So, the 31st, so it'll be shutting Nick. So, we will have another podcast recorded um, next week. 5pm 5, 5 31st, so we'll be recording straight after the deadline, I think. Absolutely, mate. So, we That's will know. Fun. We will know one way or the other if West Ham have added to their ranks or not. Rumour mill pretty quiet at the moment, unfortunately, but you never know. Let's hope it's one of those windows where lots of business is done. Very, very late indeed. You know, Jim White uh, came out and talked sport today and said that um, Moyes was given a £45 million transfer budget, but let's not end on a sour note. We'll see what happens. And we'll be here next week to discuss any signings or lack thereof West Ham have made in this summer transfer window. It's been a brilliant um, week, really, for West Ham. It's been a brilliant period of time, generally. Uh, good podcast tonight. Uh, sorry for the haphazard fashion. Sorry that everyone at home had to listen to so much of me, mainly, because uh, <laughs> I did uh, do a lot of the segments this week. Hope you enjoyed the stuff with Tony Cotty. We hope to bring you... Uh, a lot more of that stuff on the potential takeover when and where we have it, be that from Tony or anyone else uh, connected and close to the deal. Thanks very much to any of our new listeners. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Give us five stars, write us a review, and most importantly, tell your friends about us, the good old-fashioned word of mouth. We do like that. So West Ham United are top of the Premier League and we're in the draw for the Europa League group stages this week. No need for fancy outros for me. That is all you need to know. Wonderful time to be a Hammer. Thanks for listening. Up the Hammers and we'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed Declan Rice West Ham shirt, also framed as well. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 99 will be sold. The draw closes at 7.30pm on Thursday, so you've got to be quick with this one, uh, the draw will be made an hour later live on their Facebook page so you can find out whether or not you've won. There's been some fantastic prizes from Football Prizes so far since their launch. It's been Paolo Di Canio, Pieces, Vladimir Sufal, Saeed Benrahma last week. So do head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Yeah,
Social Podcast Network.